0: they get out of here with the win but i mean it really does feel like like it, there are various alternative universes where they where they get beaten
1: So shop for views,
2: and overreactions to all things NFL. It's Fraud Watch Week, and uh, boy, a lot of people were find out. Say, so, hey, we got Connor here. We got Sean. Hello. And we got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Waterford?
0: Uh good, 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 good. I was in uh, actually in Cork for the weekend, and I saw Ronan and other people uh, while over for a uh, dentist appointment. So it was good to catch people go to the, there's like a Christmas market thing up by the docks, so we went and had some nice food and Molly the dog ran around for a while, so it was all good, yes, yeah. a nice little break, um, otherwise kind of quiet, getting close to Christmas now, I think all the Christmas shopping is basically done, although my, my wife says to keep expecting various other packages in the post, so I don't know what she's, <laughs> she's already, already got like a full bed worth of different presents to different people, so I think we're done, but I uh, <laughs> I have been overruled.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. How about yourself, It's so was Cork? Was it great to see Sean
1: back? Yeah, yeah. It was a great time. Went down, got some food, talked talked and caught up. Merry tidings and all that. So, yeah, it was a great time uh, with him and Marcus, etc. Uh, other than that, it's been pretty quiet. Just trying to clean the slate off before I finish up work uh, this weekend. Just taking extra. Week of annual leave, I usually have the end of the year just to, to start the holidays early. But uh, back to Cavan this weekend. So next time uh, I'll be talking, I'll be coming from the old sod. Ah yeah,
2: on the old rural internet. Um,
1: yeah, oh, very good. <laughs> uh, it's actually the the proper fibre internet down there, although apparently it's down this weekend, so better be back by the time I get back uh, <laughs> by this weekend. Here's
2: open. Uh, yeah, no, very quite enough down here myself as well. I had our work Christmas party on the Friday and... A fairly chilled out weekend. Other than that, had mini Christmas and did some gifts and stuff. So it was, uh, it was good fun. We'll fly in and get into some of the news. Uh, first up, crime and punishment. What are they doing? Possibly felonies. Uh, Indianapolis defensive line al Alkateen Mohammed, has been suspended six games under the PED policy. It's not going to help an already ailing Indianapolis defense. And Minnesota offensive coordinator Wes Phillips was arrested on a misdemeanor DUI charge. Uh, so it's. A relatively quiet week. Uh, <laughs> DUI's not, not not being very good, but, you know, a little bit better than what we've had in recent weeks from these guys. Uh, PD policy for al Qadin Mohammed, I'll be honest, I haven't really noticed him this year, so I think he needed to be taking more of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been a key player for the uh, Colts this year, so, uh, you know, you probably won't notice a difference in a defence, which hasn't really been noticeable um, more often than not this year. Regardless, uh, they still are in the hunt, but they feel like one of the uh, weaker members of the uh, the AFC wildcard hunt at the moment, to be honest. As for Wes Phillips, apparently it wasn't too high above the limit. It was like a 0.8, whatever that means. Um, so that's why it's a misdemeanor DUI. But obviously uh, on this podcast, we all respect that, you know, you should have no drinks if you're going driving. Just keep it safe, guys.
2: Ah, yeah. Uh, was this before or after the game? Do we know?
1: I think this was...
0: During.
2: This <laughs> during, yeah. When, when they had Just to swap quarterbacks. To get away from it,
1: yeah.
2: Um, Fair enough, fair enough. We'll move over to injuries. So uh, there's a couple of big names in here. So... Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert has a fractured finger. It's his pinky finger, I believe, on his throwing hand. Uh, so they think surgery is probably going to be required here. Uh, the Chargers don't look to be doing anything, not in the playoff hunt really. So uh, they'd imagine he'll probably just shut him down for the year. Um, he hasn't officially announced that yet, but we're expecting that forthcoming. And Cleveland offensive lineman Tawant Jones has hurt his knee and he's gone for the season. Uh, their other offensive lineman, uh, Pokik, is... A shoulder injury and he's going to be week to week. So line problems for Cleveland, which is not what you want to hear whenever you've got Joe Flacco back there. Now he has been looking better, but still, you know, it's not the, uh, not, not exactly what you want to hear for a guy who can't really move too much around in the pocket for the Chargers side. Like this is kind of a lost season anyway. Um, they're not really up to much, but this kind of is the nail in the coffin for definite for that. And uh, hopefully the last time he has to play under this head coach, you'd expect after the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I would expect them being five and eight that he's going to be done for the season, and the, the Chargers' backup is some guy called Easton Stick, who's a fifth rounder from 2019. So he's not. He is very clearly an auto-generated character from that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think this is a real person. Um. So yeah, I imagine the Chargers, if Herbert goes out, that this then their season's done. I mean. Their defense is pretty terrible, so without an offense, they're not going to win too many games. So, I mean, you could be looking at them finishing 6 or 5 and 12 or 6 and 11 or something, which would definitely spell the end for Staley. I think the it the problem with the Chargers, I guess, going forward is obviously Kellen Moore is was probably brought in under some promises that maybe he'd one day step up to the head coach. But the given how backwards the offense has gone since he's come in, I, I mean, I don't know if if that's gonna stay alive. So the whole Chargers thing looks like it's gonna be completely up in the air in the off season and Herbert, uh, probably best to just kind of keep quiet and just find out what happens uh, in the new year. But uh, I can't I can't imagine after the disaster this season that Staley's gonna stick around much longer, but I best think the real question is whether Kellen Moore will be there next year.
1: Yeah, I think the big question is whether Staley will even have the option to make him play if he is able to play at some point this season, like we saw in a much more substantial point of the season last year? He kind of played his starters in, in the final week when it didn't matter, got injured. Or is the ownership, is the GM going to let their star franchise quarterback be risked uh, for a dead regime? Uh, I would probably recommend not doing that. But if Herbert really wants to play and Staley really wants to make this thing happen because it's a cheap ownership, so maybe they want to they can save by, by firing him at the end of the season instead of before, um, it could happen Day 1 Jones has been a solid fill-in for what's been a very injured Cleveland uh, offensive line but they got elite dragon Joe Flacco back there so he'll make it work don't worry yeah but it's a, he's a very stationary dragon he doesn't really move very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you don't that that's because dragons are really powerful. It's like Smaug from you know the Hobbit. Like he, he everyone knew where Smag was, but yeah, no that, one was fucking with him. But that,
2: but that boy could move when he had to. Uh, he just didn't have to very much. And unfortunately, an offensive line that's going to let people through is going to force him to move a bit. Uh, and I think it was when he moved from his big pile of gold that it all went pitong for him, right? Uh, other injuries around the league Houston quarterback CJ Stroud had a concussion so he's week to week and Nico Collins tweaked his cap so he's week to week Pittsburgh edge rusher TJ Watt has a concussion and is week to week and their edge rusher Alex Highsmith has a concussion and is also week to week Minnesota wide receiver Justin Jefferson got airmailed a hospital pass injured his chest and he's day to day though so it wasn't too bad Uh, running back Alexander Madison hurt his ankle and he's week to week San Francisco defensive lineman Javon Hargrave has injured his hamstring and Traverius Ward has injured his groin both are week to week Baltimore safety Kyle Hamilton has hurt his MCL so he's week to week and their wide receiver Devin Duvernay has hurt his back and is out for one to three weeks Las Vegas running back Josh Jacobs hurt his quad and he's out for one to three weeks and Seattle defensive back Devin Witherspoon has hurt his ribs and he's going to be week to week as well so a lot lot of injuries, particularly a lot of defensive injuries here. Uh, Houston, obviously, kind of a little bit at, at, at sea if they don't have their quarterback and their wide receiver, given they've already lost their wide receiver one. Although Nico Collins actually has been outpacing him, so technically now they might have lost their wide receiver one, having already lost their wide receiver two.
1: Yeah, obviously, they're, they're down a bunch of players in offense, and now you take out CJ Stroud and you're basically back to, well, the Houston offense that we had last year, which is like Davis Mill throwing oh to random people basically so Dalton Schultz was missed last week with injury uh, obviously Nico Collins is now hurting he my miss this week uh, Tank Dell went down last week for the season so for a team which you know only a, a few weeks ago was one of the most exciting teams in the league we could be seeing some pretty ugly football from the Houston team for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Pittsburgh both TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith after the game in New England uh, came in with symptoms of concussion maybe it's just just the horrors of having go through that game that that was affecting them. But the uh, Bowdoin concussion protocol, it's a longer week cause they were TNF. So they might be back or more likely be back than otherwise. But obviously missing your two best pass, pass-, pass for a team relying on defense could be a big issue. Justin Jefferson, thankfully taking the hospital as precaution. Turns out it's not too bad. I think he got the kidney shot. Uh, Hopefully it sounds like the kidney wasn't ruptured or anything like that. So hopefully we see Justin Jefferson get back because even in his brief cameo, he looked like Justin Jefferson and made that Minnesota offense actually do things, which they certainly didn't do after he left. And Madison, uh, similarly, a loss in the run game, which is quite thin. Uh, San Francisco, Hargrave and Ward are both key starters for them. Um, they obviously have so many other things going for them. I don't think it will cause them to slow down too much, but maybe something to keep an eye on in case they start giving up a few more points uh, mm-hmm. in some of these bigger games going forward. Kyle Hamilton's been like a really great story for Baltimore. He's been kind of a, a Swiss army knife guy, so he'll definitely miss if he's gone. And Devin have day less, so he's mostly a special teams return guy. And Tylan Wallace just uh, returned a touchdown this week, his replacement, so they, maybe they won't miss him at all. Uh, Josh Jacobs, obviously, biggest kind of, circling the toilet. Missing Jacobs kind of takes away one of the major elements of why the offense might work and Witherspoon obviously uh, kind of a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Uh, they'll definitely hope that he gets back but uh, yeah, Seattle obviously kind of in a tough place right now regardless. Yeah.
2: Uh, so that's kind of our, our injury wrap-up for this week and um, we'll move on and have a look at some of the games from last week. So first up, Rams at Baltimore 31-37 to in overtime. Uh, Tyrone... Thailand, Wallace, sorry, 79-yard return touchdown, gives him the win in a back-and-forth battle. Uh, I will say, I looked at it, there was definitely a very egregious block in the back on that return that wasn't called. Uh, But hey, look, they get the win in the bag. Uh, Lamar had 386 yards. It's
1: the rule of cool, man. Rule of cool. Rule of cool. I'm sorry,
2: we'll talk about the rule of cool (laughs) in the next game, I think. (laughs) Uh, 386 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception for Lamar. He had lots of explosive plays, and we saw a couple of real old-school OBJ-style catch. Which is um Isaiah Likely filling in nicely at the tight end position and flowers. Getting quite a number of plays. He looked particularly good on the two uh, the two point conversion that they had. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty good overall from them. Stafford had 294 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, was red hot most of the game, hitting cup like cup looked like he was back to cup uh, like MVP level style play. He had 115 yards and a touchdown in this one. One or two of them were just I don't know how he was getting up and catching the ball. It just looked ridiculous. Uh, Williams had 114 as well. at the uh, Baltimore defense were kind of able to. Pull it off in overtime. Get the get the job done. It was quite an exciting game. This is when we were talking about this in the previews. This is exactly what we said we were hoping for, and it. And why I picked it as my game of the week it was that there was the potential for explosiveness, and it needed the Rams to be able to get past this Baltimore defense that's been so good and so kind of opportunistic throughout the year. And they did that particularly in the first half, but then they kind of cooled off a little bit after that. They were they were not quite as red hot uh, in the second half, and I think that's why the game kind of went. And I don't know, depending on whether you're a believer in momentum or not, it kind of felt that way going into the... Uh, into the overtime that Baltimore were going to be able to just get it done, although getting it done on a special teams play is uh, is, is particularly tasty way to finish up a game. Uh, so for the Rams, disappointment in a particularly well-played game, although it's definitely kind of one of their better games that they've played this year and definitely shows that they are a quality unit and continues to be egg on my face for my preseason predictions on them. For Baltimore, good after they got warmed up. Uh, their offensive fine, but their defense was not Firing at all cylinders until the second half, really. Um, so they want to kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, but this, like, this is a this is a very good multi-dimensional Rams offense, and they were using a lot of different people. So like, they were they were picking holes and finding holes where they were, and a lot of people, a lot of teams wouldn't have the kind of personnel to cause the matchup issues that Baltimore were facing here. A lot of them wouldn't have. Like one, let alone two or three top-end wide receivers to be to be covering. So, um, a good win for Baltimore, skinned their teeth in the end. But like I said, this is these these are the type of wins that championship teams can do, they can kind of knuckle down, find a way. It was like when we saw that was at the Lions four weeks ago when they went down by a chunk and then were able to work their way back. This felt a bit like that for Baltimore that they went, okay, this isn't working. Let's just go back to basics a bit on defense and and reset. And they did and it worked and and, and fair dues to them. So they're now sitting pretty at the top with the uh, currently holding the top seed in the bye in the AFC and we'll see if that continues. But this was a a very, very good game for them and and I suppose a must win in that race, although miami did give them a hand later on
0: yeah i mean i think both these teams can come away reasonably happy with how they're playing and reasonably happy with how they're positioned within the various playoff races i mean the ravens obviously keep the number one seed they, they grind out the win which was the most important thing but i think what we're seeing from this ravens is we're finally seeing what this team looks like when it's healthy or healthy enough to be dominant like there's They've had for about two or three years a great combo of talent on the field and good coaching off the field, but they've had huge injury crises for for it seems like three years straight. And now they're finally getting to a stage where they have like a manageable uh, injury level and they have enough depth everywhere that they can kind of cover for people like Mark Andrews. Uh, who go out with injuries, it, it finds seems like this team is is in a very good place to, to do well. Now, the defense wasn't great here, but generally speaking, I think the defense is, is at a high level. And the offense certainly looks like it's more dynamic than it has in a very long time. I mean, gone are the days when it was just Lamar running and throwing to Mark Andrews whenever the running option wasn't working. Now he's got yeah, Isaiah Likely, they've got Zay Flowers. It really feels like they've got a ton of options everywhere. And with, and with Harbaugh, Coaching them, it kind of feels like the sky might be the limit for this team, especially with an AFC in which nobody else is really standing out. So I think even though the defense didn't have the best day possible, I think that's partly because the Rams were just just very good. Um, I, I find myself intrigued by where this ravens is team is going to go and i think they have to right now be considered the favorites in, in the afc given how well they're playing given that there how many wins they have in terms of their position relative to other teams and given how teams like KC, buffalo miami are all looking a little bit uh weaker in terms of the rams they're still i think technically outside the playoff spots um, based on tiebreakers, but they're right there at the very edge, uh, looking at maybe a wild card six or seven uh, seed. But they look unlike a lot of the other teams around them in the kind of NFC wild card race. You think about the Seahawks. You think about the, the entire NFC South. You think about the Packers, who kind of have have good weeks, but also have bad weeks. It kind of feels like the Rams are coming, building something consistent and together. It really look in this game. I kind of think they kind of proved that they could kind of battle with anyone. Uh, in the NFL that they're kind of capable of on their day taking the fight to anyone. The offense looks really quite good at the moment. Stafford is in a very good place, very comfortable. He's he's definitely kind of grown into himself since he's joined the Rams and that, that, that championship title I think has really given him a real boost of confidence to believe that he can be the guy who pulls games out. Uh, obviously Cooper Cup had a, had a good game back but I also thought Pukunakua had a very big game and it wasn't just the catches. He drew two very important pass interference calls including one crucial third down situation so it's it's really working on the offensive side the Rams problem is that their defense as Roland I think has been talking a little bit about in past weeks of this podcast uh, the defense is, is, is a bit of a weakness it's kind of Aaron Donald plus guys and they're all young and they're trying hard but they're maybe not quite good enough and that maybe is where the weakness if they're not if they're going to fall short of the playoffs it's probably because they're going to concede too many points uh, and to give their offense too much work to do but I, I think I, I like where they're at the Rams and I would like they're one of those teams I would like to see them in the playoffs I'd like to see them go on the road to a division winning team and give them a game because I think they're, they're, that, they're that they're that kind of team and certainly I'd rather see them there than say the, the, you know the, the Packers or you know the Falcons or something uh, like that um, but they got to get those wins and for the Ravens yeah I, I'm beginning to think they might be the AFC's team in the Super Bowl um, certainly doesn't look like anyone else is stepping up to the mark quite as much as they are
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit more concerned about Baltimore, ironically, after being kind of the the Baltimore booster earlier this season. And I think it's because when we talk about January football, and this is a team that will obviously make the playoffs and I think will be competitive in the playoffs, is that without Andrews and a transition away from the kind of Gus Buss type run game to a lot of Lamar, do magic bullshit, Keaton Mitchell, go for like 50 yards type thing, which he didn't do in this game, but has done in previous weeks like they have such explosive elements but when the chips are down they just need to grind the game away or they just need to get like a short down conversion they just look a little bit lost like Lamar played well in this game like good statistics nearly 400 yards three touchdowns though the pick pick wasn't great either um but he, like you know just those kind of consistent plays that kind of sense that you can get those conversions at key times didn't really seem to be there And there's those kind of mistakes that come in the interception the safety was just a poor snap. Uh, that Kim had to kick out of the back, back of the field to prevent it uh, being picked up by the Rams. And, you know, one and three in the red zone. Just all these kind of, like, execution things. I think, you know, you've brought in an offense here, um, which is working more often than it's not. But in the key moments, I'm just concerned, especially in the playoffs, where obviously you expect the games to be close, that this is a team that will not be able to make those key plays when they matter. And, you know, it's great when you're, like, you know, obviously... The defense, if he can get back to form, um, that will obviously help kind of obviate that to some extent. Obviously, the special teams is very well coached and always has been in Harbour. And obviously, was the key uh, metric here in overtime when Wallace, who's, a, as I said, a backup returner, got the touchdown from 79 yards? You know, you could argue there's all there's pushes in the back on every return, Connor. It's, it is what it is. Ah, that was um, a pretty
2: blatant one, like. <laughs>
1: Connor all up in the rest of this week. Uh, I wonder why. Uh, we'll get to the moment, but uh, it's just that consistency. I'd have some concerns, right? Like it's a good win against a good team, so You can't complain too much, but I would have worries that the consistency of this team on offense and then the defense maybe showing some chinks in the armor. You know, maybe putting them at the top of the list may not be a, you know a fait accompli just yet. Despite all of the flailing from their 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 competition for the number one seed, um, and even to get number one seed, I'd, be, I'd have worries still. So. As for the Rams, I think like this is the Matt Stafford show. And Matt Stafford's in there and he's playing red hot. This is one of the hardest quarterbacks in the league to play against. He's kind of your old school, just rip you apart. Nothing you can do about it when he's playing well. You saw the deep rainbow shots to... Cup uh, in this game Cup looked like his, his old self Puka Nakua as Sean said is making an impact but I think the, the most promising things for the passing game is that you were also seeing an impact from a backup tight end in Davis Allen because Higby was injured in this game uh, was injured before the game Demarcus Robinson had a key touchdown and you just see that great quarterbacks elevate not just their good players or their great players but actually elevate the, the third forward options and are able to make them make key plays and that's also a testament to the coaching of Sean McVeigh who's obviously you know deserves a lot of respect and I think you so the key man in recent weeks that's really helped the Rams take that next step up has also been Kyron Williams who's just been a revelation at running back um, over 100 yards here again and he's really just added that x factor there um, that they can take an explosive play um, from the run game but also he's just very effective at grinding between the tackles when he has to despite his relatively diminutive size so the Rams for me they have a much softer next couple of games I think it's the commanders and then the saints and then the giants I don't know how soft they are to be honest at the moment, um, but. Those are three games I would expect them to win, so I think they still are probably favored to get into the playoffs uh, with a wild card berth. And I think, as Sean says, they will be an interesting team that could definitely take down one of the bigger beasts in the NFC. Because with Matt Stafford playing at this level, we know they can win a Super Bowl. They've done it before. The surrounding talent, especially on defense, might not be the same level, but on his day, he truly is uh, a force of nature. So a disappointing loss to be sure for the Rams, but I would still say uh, they're in a good place to probably still get that wild card because their their competition, let's be frank, uh, isn't really. Up the snuff this week.
2: Yeah. Next up, Buffalo at Kansas City, 20 to 17. Uh, Mahomes went for 279 yards, a touchdown, interception, but uh, was basically screaming at the refs and very pissed off at the tail end. Following there was a Tony offensive offside call that undoes uh, one of the nicest looking trick plays we've seen uh, in ages, possibly ever, where uh, Kelsey caught a ball and then. Frankly, like the thing is, it looks incredible. I don't want to shit in it, but it was such a terrible decision to do anyway. Outside of, unless it was just that Kelsey thought that the flag was for a free play, because when you're down, <laughs> when you're at that position with that much time left, you don't try and lateral a ball all the way across the field for the crack. Like, uh, but yeah, he decides to go back to the quarterback ways, throw the ball across to Tony, who then scores his touchdown, but ultimately he was called back. Um, and it was basically just kind of. What was happening for Kansas City on offense all day, there was drops from players. There was Rasheed Rice, who played overall a very good game, struggling to get a couple of extra yards, turned over the ball in the red zone. Um, yeah, it was just just sloppiness all round. Uh, even the, the, the interception from Mahomes on the second drive, I think it was, of the day. Um, <clears throat> they just got a guy into the backfield. He got his hands up and tipped the ball. And it just, just wasn't particularly crisp from them they weren't looking great and as much as everyone's going to be annoyed about the offsides call and all that kind of stuff like one he was offside so you know if you want to get into the stuff about the should the line judge have said something or whatever I, I, I don't really care I think if you're playing a game against Buffalo you're down by three at this spot and you it comes down to tony making a mistake then your game script for the other 59 minutes of the game have been incorrect and it shouldn't be in that position Allen had a good day 265 yards two touchdowns and interception and he keeps their playoff hopes alive as you know him and cook had a good day on the ground 141 and a touchdown dominate against a tough kansas city defense that was missing one or two players uh it was yeah like from, from from the bills perspective it was a decent game it didn't blow your socks off and it it was that kind of thing, if they were putting themselves in a position to lose the game again, except, unfortunately, Kansas City's offense just isn't really firing on all cylinders still. there was a game that definitely felt like they were feeling the lack of Pacheco on the field. There was a lot of short yardage kind of spots or, or you know third and threes where like you just don't trust Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that spot. So you end up doing passes to Jarek McKinnon and things like that where... Like Jack McKinnon is very serviceable backup and does good in the passing game and that but like he's not he's not a, a an all game running back, so that, that deficiency was definitely felt in it and some of the play calling then kind of went a little bit weird. But yeah, just the wide receiver stuff hasn't gotten itself sorted out, uh and it's just slightly messy. That said, not too dissimilar from what I said last week. I don't think the sky is falling. Like, the Chiefs are still going to be in line to probably make the playoffs. Hopefully have it figured out a little bit by then and, you know, everything will be hunky-dory. It's intriguing, though, because we are driving towards the first time that Mahomes will have to play a road playoff game, which would be quite exciting, uh, I suppose. But, yeah, sloppy from Kansas City. They probably should have had this win, to be honest. Um, not mad about... I'm not. I'm mad that the, that the, the Kelsey-Tony touchdown won't stand because I think it's a lovely one and would make for great highlight reels I am a bit pissed off about other calls in the thing like the the Latavius Murray did not have control of the ball that was hoofed up to him when he fumbled it like that was that was not a completed pass on fourth down so I have issues with other parts of it or other non calls but the actual, the actual play that pulled back, outside of it being, as we said, the rule of cool, it was the correct call to pull it back, so I don't mind that at all. Um, but yeah, just sloppy from Kansas City, and you would have hoped at this stage they'd have gotten it cleaned up a little bit more, but uh, like if you've been a fan of this team for as long as I have, you've seen through an awful lot worse times than Mahomes not having the best wide receivers in the room. One thing to note that I think will be interesting to keep, uh, keep an eye on later on is the wide receivers coach from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, is definitely someone who shouldn't be a wide receivers coach and not just because of the performance but because <laughs> like, if you look into it he's essentially a nepotism hire because uh, <laughs> Eric Bieniemy coached him briefly underneath his father as the head coach while he was at college where he didn't get any snaps because he wasn't fucking good enough and uh, it says a lot that Bieniemy left and didn't want to take him on his own staff so I would expect that that might be a firing that's coming shortly but um, yeah yeah, sloppy. They should have wanted Buffalo to keep themselves alive and uh, more power to them because if they can turn it around and they can keep this kind of upwards trajectory going, they'll be quite fun in the playoffs.
1: Like, I think this was very 20 trade three football. We feel a long way from, you know, that amazing back and forth 13 second game from a couple of years ago. And both these teams look. You know, they're not bad teams. They're both still, I think, good teams. But the offense that was so explosive that seemed to, you know, you could never count them out. Both of them are just, you know, standing in their own way. Obviously, those stand out more for Kansas City because I think Patrick Holmes is still playing at a very high level. But he is basically getting screwed uh, by uh, the injuries and the, the, the wide receiver uh, issues all around him. Um, like, it's one thing to have wide receivers who are not great route runners or young receivers whatever you kind of expect that but to have them not be able to even do the fundamentals of catching the ball on a consistent basis is really just not on. like a Darius Toney obviously the attention's all going to go on in his screw up for the offensive offsides and look it's not a call that happens very often and I'm sure for the next week or so we'll see all the clips of all the other wide receivers um, who were slightly offside I think there was even one for, for Waddle uh, there uh, I saw on Twitter today but the reality is he was also dropping the ball early on he was just inconsistent force even Rashi Wright Ice, who's probably the best of the young crop of wide receivers they are right now. He had a fumble in the third quarter when they seemed to be getting momentum on their side. I think he had a, a drop or so. Like, he showed up at key moments. He got the touchdown. Um, he got a pretty good catch on the final drive that, that was getting them down the field. Uh, but even he's, like, not perfect. And while Kelsey continues to be mostly consistent, he's still a little bit less consistent than usual. And as I said last week, he doesn't have that yard-after-the-catch monster aspect to his game as much this year. Um, like, that that cat, that, that run he was taking... Uh, before he threw the ladder it was probably one of the most explosive plays you've seen from him. And the hope is, I suppose, with him getting more and more further away from the injury he had earlier this year, and hopefully maybe seeing um, his bow uh, in, in, the, um, in the stands more uh, week on week, uh, he might get back his juice, uh, which would be really important and a really major factor if Kansas City are going to stay alive for the uh, number one seed, which they're in a tough position right now, but uh, the competition is also uh, not exactly playing high level. So, you know, for this offense... I think Mahomes is still really, really good. It's just everything else is not really working. And I think, especially as I said, with Pacheco out, they can't just lean on grinding the other team down and just kind of building up the kind of play action and stuff like that. I think you saw that. Yeah, McKinnon and C H are fine. Well, C H isn't isn't really good to be honest. Um, but it's not enough uh, for people to kind of take any anything off Mahomes and stopping him. As for Buffalo, I would say it was a important win, and it was of you know they played well, and they kind of have stemmed the bleeding from about a month ago or so. Um, but it's still not perfect. Like Stefan Diggs continues to be missing in action. I have no idea what's going on there. I'm sure it's highly dramatic, and we'll hear all about it at some point. Uh, but they have thankfully under the new OC Brady decided to get James Cook more involved more, particularly in the past game, which you know. He's the brother of Dalvin Cook. It's not exactly an innovation to go, hey, throw it to the Cook cook guy at running back. And, you know, after a disappointing uh, outing last week against Philly, where he dropped a would-be touchdown, which was early on... um, you know, Cook was suddenly catching the ball. He's obviously probably done the drills a lot this week and suddenly, like, the for the first half, it certainly felt like the Kansas City defence either did not want or could not cover James Cook and they were obviously very good at shutting down most of the other weapons. You didn't really see any other wide receiver or even tight end stand out, but Cook and Allen by themselves were enough to carry this offence to a, you know, substantive enough enough of points. But as you say, at the end, like, yeah like classic Buffalo they kind of turtled a little bit they kind of got into the the lead but you kind of still felt oh are they actually going to get this done are they actually going to be able to do this after getting a field goal and then stuttering out and you know obviously they got away with this thing but like you kind of feel like in, in these close games and they're basically in playoff games for the rest of the way you'd still have concerns that the fragility that was so costly throughout the season may come back but they're a good team Josh Allen's playing at a really high level he's not the problem and with James Cook as an X factor uh, maybe that'll loosen things up and, and lead to less double coverage people like Stefan Diggs. Um but it's not perfect but these wins are important. Some of those coin flips are going their way now and they hope that they can continue to to build on that uh, and they have a, one more tough game but the hope is if they can get that done um some they might ease up a little bit in the back end.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's such it was such a weird game to to watch because with the Bills this season you just when they went 14-0 up there's like there's so many other teams when they're like 14 14- Nil up very earlier, like oh, they're they're in control of this game. They're gonna they're gonna see it out. They're gonna dominate with the Bills. You're like no, they they're never gonna hold on to that lead, especially on the road in Kansas City, and 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 it proved true. And they they get out of here with the win, but I mean. It really does feel like like it, there are various alternative universes where they where they get beaten, um, and the the question marks are still there. I mean, I, I agree with Roland that Josh Allen still looks as good as ever, but the problem is the Bills seem incre- incredibly reliant on him to to do his stuff. Like we saw this a little bit last year when they he was injured and they were kind of holding him back and only letting him be explosive in like close games in the fourth quarter or not. And now it feels like it kind of feels like every situation the Bills are in from now to the end of the season is it's a close fourth quarter situation. We need we need Josh Allen to be full on Josh Allen for the next, you know, the the last five games or four games of the season plus the playoffs if they make it. I, I, I don't know if that's a viable strategy down the line. I, I don't know if putting Allen in that kind of place and expecting him to just win games on his own is really what needs to be done. They need to figure out – how to use all the really interesting pieces that they have? How to get Stefan Diggs to, you know, actually participate in games again? Because he seems like he has—he has more games where he disappears these days than he does when he turns up. They have to find a way, even with the injuries, for the for the defense to to step up in big moments a bit more uh, than they're doing. Because there is as much as this team is seven and six, and the Dolphins are looking a bit wobbly, and you feel that maybe the Bills could sneak back into if even if they if not the the wild card they might even sneak the division if they if they get on a bit of a run but there's also the side of the goals so if this team ends up being you know eight and nine i wouldn't be surprised whatsoever otherwise so with the bills i still feel it's up in the air big win obviously and they needed it and they're staying in contention and, and they're a fun team so i want to see them go deep and we have friends who are Bills fans so i want to see them be happy but i'm still not sold that this team has, has solved any of the problems that we've been talking about go, uh, going forward um in terms of kc i mean i really think this season is going to be looked back on as being this was the season when our wide receivers cost us a chance at a championship like it, it feels a little bit like i think i think i mentioned this before like i think it's a 2006 patriots team who had everything except good wide receivers and ultimately it cost them in the end because you just can't rely on the quarterback to just be the guy who makes everything happening. Kadarius Tony has literally cost the Kansas City Chiefs two games this season. He's twice now been directly responsible for them losing a game rather than winning it because either he's had a, a ridiculous drop that has been picked off uh, or he has... Been like like two yards offside uh, in a crucial. I'm, I'm play. amazed they haven't just tried to make a point of it and just cut him or something.
2: I think it's because I, I think it's because of the performance in the Super Bowl that they're just holding on to him and the fact that there's literally no one else on the roster. But like, yeah, like I think if I was in charge, I would have just gone. This is unacceptable. Cut him. Fire the wide receivers coach and like make a big fucking fuss about it. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I do kind of see the issue that he might actually, in terms of talent. I mean, if they cut him, it's really putting a lot of pressure on the younger guys, and maybe they think that he's even with all the mistakes, still one of the better options that they have. But I mean, it does seem like Kansas City, because of the Mahomes salary and the salary cap issues that is creating, that they're this has been talked about a bit before in the past that once you have a really good team and a, a really good quarterback you have to be quite smart about how you build a team around it and there are trade-offs, right? You can build an, an O-line and a defense, say and try and rely on the quarterback to make the skill positions you know, do magic stuff which is what the Pats try to do before they just gave up and decided to get Randy Moss um, or you can do a situation where you load up and then just hope that your team scores more points than the, your defense gives up which is say what the Indianapolis Colts did back in the day under Peyton Manning and it feels like Kansas it doesn't feel like they really know what they're doing in that regard I think they've just decided Mahomes is good enough that he's going to be able to pull these guys through and I don't think that's true I just don't think we're ever going to see this wide receiver core actually step up to the level that is required. And I think it's going to cost them a chance at a championship this year because the defense is as good as I've ever seen in the Mahomes era. Even if they did struggle here to deal with with James Cook, I still feel that there's a lot going on there. The run game has progressed more than uh, I've seen in Kansas City in recent years. Kelsey looks as good as ever and is very clever at pulling people towards him to open up spots for everyone else. So it it does feel like if they could just get – like it's it's why they didn't pick up a Julio Jones or why they didn't make more of an effort to try and pick up OBJ. Just just have some veteran on a low contract uh, who is able to do explosive things and maybe teach the younger wide receivers how to do the fundamentals. And maybe this team has a really good chance. But right now it just doesn't feel like it's it's working them um, at all. And. I think it's going to cost them down the line because it gets to the situation is you can't trust Kadarius Tony now, right? That's the problem, right? You can't get into a, like a, a, play, a tough playoff game in the fourth quarter and you've got say a tough, tough third down. I don't think you can put him on the field like because he might do something stupid is the problem that I think that they're dealing with uh, right now. And that's going to hurt them uh, down the line. The only other thing to say is the, I love the lateral. The lateral is the next evolution of the, the game of American football and the sooner Americans start watching rugby and realize that, the better this game was going to be. I want to know, I mean, it's it obviously didn't look like a design play, but that said, Travis Kelsey was, like a, as I understand, a, a quarterback in yeah. college and high school. He started, so he, he started
2: as a quarterback in
0: college and then, because it wasn't working out, swapped to tight end. So I could certainly see that possibly they could design play, or at least now, maybe in the future, Andy, we go, oh, I could actually design plays where Kelsey is set up to lateral. Um, because it looks like it could be quite an effective thing to do. But definitely, how, that's how the sport is going to evolve going forward. And the, the first team to figure that out and make it work systematically is going to win a lot of games before the defenses, because it's going to take a while for defenses to figure out how to stop that. So it was really nice to see. And it's nice to see the season has kind of become – slowly, as each week goes by, it's become more and more the season – the season where teams figure out that laterals are an option, and you see them more than you see them anywhere else. So lovely to see. But Casey, my God, fix that wide receiver situation, or you're not going to win anything. Yeah. next up Green Bay at New York Giants 22-24
2: to Tommy DeVito 158 yards a touchdown and 71 on the ground leads a 1 minute 33 field goal drive to retake the lead after Green Bay had a touchdown following a fumble uh, this was a game where the Giants were healthily ahead and then started to just kind of shoot themselves in the foot towards the tail end uh, you did have a brief moment of wondering, were they looking at you know draft position rather than anything else? But uh, no, they managed to pull it off following a failed two-point conversion. Um, no, it was it was quite impressive. Uh, DeVito's really turned around from being the meme thrash man that he was at the very start. Uh, nice, nice splash bait at Hodgins on the touchdown and stuff like that. Uh, from the Green Bay side, it was a little bit scrappier, Ronan. So love at 218, a touchdown and an interception, but he took sacks in the red zone more than once. They had mistakes on special teams with fumbles and missed field goals it was just following two particularly good weeks for Green Bay and them kind of I was thinking have they turned the corner are they really going to like turn into this kind of fun wild card team that will cause people problems they just kind of struggled here and I know historically playing at the Giants has been a little bit difficult for them if I remember correctly but this was, this was a regression. You could, you could see at times that obviously the run game wasn't working for them the way they wanted it to and that probably hurt them a bit. But this is a, a giant team that definitely looks a little bit tastier than it beforehand. The defence was stepping up and causing problems. I mentioned the, the, the red zone sacks there uh, and they were very important, but... They were just, they were harassing him all the time. We've seen, um, what's your man's name, the the first round pick uh, who they have, who's, who started causing Thibodeaux. a lot of problems. Kebon Thibodeau, is it? Yeah, it's like he's, he's starting to turn into a fairly decent player even if I still think from interviews with him he sounds like a knob. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's impressive and I think the Giants have a bit of a problem on their hands because if, if DeVito continues to play the way he is, uh, I don't know why you'd be going back to Jones even though you paid him all that money. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. The Giants looking a little bit more fun. Green Bay coming back down to earth. Well, I'll be intrigued to see next week if, uh, if Green Bay kind of bounced back a bit and it was just kind of they weren't expecting it because I don't think we were expecting it. This Giants team, in particular the defense, definitely looked better than I was expecting.
1: Yeah, it's it's time for me to offer a mea culpa. I was wrong. He wasn't the trash man. And look, that was a name I gave in loving reference to his, uh, in homage to Danny DeVito, his namesake uh, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Get that dirty name out of my town. That dirty (laughs) dirty town's name out of your mouth. Uh, But, you know, he's now Cutlets. Fair enough. But, you know, if he wanted to keep the trash man name out of loving homage to... You know the long and storied history of the Italian American community in the sanitation business. Then I wouldn't I wouldn't disrespect that either. If you look uh, if you, you know, look
2: at his agent slash enforcer, uh, you could definitely yeah. see that connection.
1: I'm sorry, give him his name, Sean Stellato, You know, Italian American sports hall of famer Sean Stellato, His representative on the field in the pinstripe suit and the fedora. You know, this man does football right. This man, he stays at home, he gets his cutlets with mom and dad, his mom and dad are in the stands, his dad's, you know, giving the kisses out uh, when his t- boy is doing right uh, by his entire community and, uh, you know, it's hilarious basically, right? This is some of the funniest shit uh, that you could possibly have and I think the biggest lesson for me is that, yeah, as I said, alluded to last week, if you're going to play a backup, make him a fun backup. Make him Tommy DeVito, make him Gardner Minshew. You know, or make them good, obviously, that that's probably the, the the preference. If they can be both, even better. Um, And in this game, you're just seeing week on week, if you just stick with the guy, particularly in this Brian Dayball system, which to be fair, you know, is designed around having a pretty simple quarterback, Um, that it can get results, especially when the defense, as you alluded to, is getting results as well. Like, I think Kayvon Dibidou is more of a factor, Dexter Lawrence is a stud, but you're even now seeing some results from the secondary. I think Deontay Banks is showing flashes of the uh, relatively high draft pick that he was, so You know, if you've got a solid defense and an offense that doesn't make mistakes outside the Saquon fumble, and you have a quarterback who, yeah, as I said, his superpower might be not fumbling the ball, but you saw some other things in this game. You saw him roll outside the pocket, make a couple of good throws. That one, the Hodgins in particular, stands out great catch by Hodgins, to be fair. And obviously he's a threat with his, his feet. And like, you know, that kind of one read or kind of scramble around football is basically what Daniel Jones did last year and it got them to the playoffs. And now this team is only one win behind Uh, the playoff spot so they have to be considered as a factor there so you know I don't know if they're going to go on a run because obviously you know he has limitations but and I don't know how long uh, opposition defenses are going to just sell out completely to stop Saquon Barkley then given respect to the boy uh, Tommy DeVito but um, right now, it's fun, it's dumb, and Dayball, at the very least, his job is happy, and he, he, even Dayball looks like he's having fun again after a pretty tough season where he was like ratting out uh, his other quarterbacks. Him and DeVito just seem to get on. He's like, hey, this kid, he just loves football. Uh, let's all get along. As for Green Bay, pretty big fall from grace. You're talking about a team um, that had surged into the playoff consideration. Um, and then you kind of just saw those same kind of mistakes that were an issue uh, when they were on their, their lull earlier this season, you know, making mistakes at key moments, love, maybe doing a little bit of hero ball too often. Now you still see some of the growth that he's had, that touchdown that they got to, to take the lead late on in this game was a, was a peach of a of ball um, and a great catch and uh, moving the ball by the receiver. Um, but you just saw the inconsistency, like two key sacks in the red zone that ended up turning potential touchdowns into field goals. And then a game against this team with the Giants, which is now getting st- stuck in these close tight games more often than not each season those kind of small mistakes those fumbles on the punt like a muff punt uh, fumble missing a field goal those end up being costly so I think Green Bay like on average are probably still a better team and Jordan Love has probably you know got more potential as a quarterback than Tommy Cutlitz DeVito but you know I think the distance between these teams it was a lot closer than we thought on the day and I think the Giants played are playing tough hard football right now it's not perfect It wasn't last season either, but it got the results and, uh, hey, you know, Green Bay, they can sleep with the fishes for now, but uh, Giants, (laughs) let's see if they go all the way.
2: Very good. Uh, Philadelphia, Dallas up next, 13-33. This one went kind of like how we said it was going to go. Dallas make their way into the number one in the NFC East race and possibly the number one overall race, uh, depending on how Philly do down the stretch here. Uh, Dak had 282 yards, two touchdowns and a fumble, which led to the Carter touchdown, and helps them, like... Yeah like they were up 6 to 24 it was just it was just ridiculous and then their uh field goal kicker Aubrey uh who is is he still not missed since that one miss in the opening game
0: but yeah, he had, he's missed a few extra points, but he hasn't missed. Yeah, a field goal never yet.
2: missed a field goal. So four field goals, three of them were more than fifty yards. So like just serious, seriously, sixty
1: one was, like. was fifty nine. So yeah.
2: yeah, like it's absolute, absolute cannon of a leg. Uh, and yeah, so Dallas defense are the boys who kind of really came up big here because we said, look, this is a good performance. Dak obviously two touchdowns, sub three hundred yards, but they were just the defense, two fumbles, making Philadelphia settle for field goals, even whenever we were down. Like it was just, it was an all-out assault on Hertz. He had 223 yards and a fumble, no touchdowns. He wasn't able to make an impact. Like, the fumble was key early on in the game, but just this defense said, we are going to come down and we are going to beat you. And they did. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about whether or not this is something to do with uh, the 49ers scheme that they ran against them and showing kind of how to tackle them. But... Like, this goes further back than that. Like, even though they won the games prior to it, like, their offense wasn't any great shakes against the Chiefs. Their offense wasn't any great shakes in the game before that either. We were having, you know, they've got superstar players at wide receiver who are just disappearing for large periods of time. Um, so I, I probably need to do a bit of a deeper dive onto is that just how they're doing coverage versus the scheme, or is it to do with how they're pushing Hurts out, the, out of his uh, spot or whatever? But... This is quite the collapse at Philadelphia are tumbling down at the moment and they're going to have to hope to to to, to seal it off because like they're going on the road to Seattle this week upcoming which is not an easy match given how they're scoring albeit their defense hasn't been up to snuff and Philly are tumbling down the tumbling down the the standings or they're not quite tumbling down yet but they are now on a precipice we'll say versus when they had a nice nice bit of a breathing room earlier on from the Dallas side this is what you wanted to see like Maybe you want to see a little bit more offence, but we've seen this offence and we know this offence can do very big things. Uh, so that, that potential is there. Their defence in this one just came in and sat on Philly and just said, you're not allowed anything. You can kick field goals if you want, but we're not allowing anything else. And yeah, they they, they did their job. This is a Dallas team that is rounding into form at bang on the right time. Um, it's it's very, very impressive. And it means like the, the top of the NFC when it comes to the playoffs, is going to be great because, look, we'll have to see how this Philly team can adapt because they've now come up short against probably the two biggest rivals in the NFC anyway. And uh, like, yeah, Philly versus Dallas, Dallas versus the 49ers. It's going to be a hell of a, hell of a playoff picture over there.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm getting a bit worried. It's starting to look like the Cowboys might be for real. And this might after 28 years or whatever actually be the year when they get back to the Super Bowl and maybe win it because it kind of feels like they figured out all the problems that they, like the, the offense started of the season not looking great, Dak was making mistakes, they were playing incredibly conservative to try to avoid the mistakes that Dak was making and everyone was criticizing Mike McCarthy and the, we were you know pining pining for the days of Kellen or whatever and now suddenly this Dak is playing at an MVP level, he's suddenly figured out how to play off schedule in a way he's never done before. He's looking like he's he's playing at the highest level in his career. He he's talking about how he suddenly figured out the game of football in the offseason and now suddenly knows how to play. Uh, and you've got to give credit to Mike McCarthy for all he's done with that offense. The offense looks like every piece knows what their their job is. They're not missing Zeke Elliott. They you know that they, they've got the they've got a great Uh, jake ferguson a tight end developing really well cd lamb looks like like a wonderful wr1 the o-line looks looks like a dallas o-line from back in the day when they were just unstoppable and then the other side the defense looks like it's getting back to the level it was at the start of the season it looks so good when it's at its best we even had stefan gilmore in this game rolling back the ears and humiliating aj brown and it was just like like there's no weakness it doesn't look like there's a weakness in this team at the moment the only thing that maybe is stopping the cowboys from looking like the best team in the NFL is that the 49ers look so, like like the best team that's ever played football at their at their at their peak right like the thing is the cowboys they're going to be very hard to beat this year and they certainly look like there's they're, they're rounding into form right at the right time they're looking like if they're going to get to the playoffs looking red hot they're going to get a bunch of home playoff games i i definitely think this is the year whether or not this is the year they win the super bowl this is definitely the year when the cowboys finally win multiple playoff games most likely i think it's very hard not to see them in the nfc championship game if they keep this up the only thing that might stop them is if they don't win the division and then have a kind of a more complicated playoff run where they might run into 49ers say in a divisional round or something like that. But the Cowboys look really good and it's it's scary to say that because I think we all, a large part of the NFL fan base invests a lot of emotion in the Cowboys being crap and it's it's not always the, the most fun thing to watch them be this good, but they definitely are this good and they definitely could go all the way. In terms of the Eagles, it, it I think we really need to, start talking about how this team has fallen off from last year i mean we had we've been talking on this podcast all the weeks going how they're not quite at last year's level but they're still winning and they were grinding it out the championship form looking like it like a team that that could go all the way and they got to the ten and one and everyone was like oh they're they're not quite what they were last year but they're still very good and now they've had two really bad losses to the two biggest rivals they're going to have in the nfc this year and the questions have to start coming out the offense looks really off compared to last year. And I don't know, as, as you say, Connor, whether that's because they've been figured out or whether maybe we can start talking about how they, the coaches' coaching changes that happened in offseason. Like, we forget this. Sometimes it's very convenient to forget this team lost both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator in the offseason as, as new guys coming in. And I don't know if Brian Johnson on the offensive side is doing the kinds of things that Shane Sykin was doing to make things easier for Jalen Hurts. There's maybe a little bit of – I saw a little bit of stuff online talking about how maybe Steichen was hiding Hertz's deficiencies and making the game easier for him, and Johnson's not doing that, and therefore they're not quite doing an awful lot of stuff here. Like, in this game, the the Cowboys had a lot of pressure up the middle that disrupted the offense, and it, it, the Eagles just did not have a solution for it. There was just no counterpunching going on. The Eagles – thought, you know, they, they kind of seem to be relying on, oh, we've got all this talent, we're just going to win games. And the problem is when they come up against the very best teams, they suddenly realize that's no longer true. And these are the teams that they have to beat if they're going to win a get to a Super Bowl or, or to win the whole thing uh, next year. And the defensive side, they look so tired. We've talked about the number of snaps, the very hard games they've had back-to-back. In this game, they had quite a slow start and that put the team in a hole they couldn't quite get out of. I mean, Fletcher Cox is looking quite good, but he can't do it all himself. Um, so there's problems on both sides of the ball for the Eagles. And what's really worrying is that these problems have come up against the teams that are they are directly competing against. Now, they, they still have the NFC East in their pocket if they win out. And they have a softer schedule than the Cowboys. So you of got to give them maybe slight favorites in terms of that. But I don't know if we get to playoffs and they take on this Cowboys team or the 49ers, if I could back them at all. I I just don't think they've shown the season at any point that they're capable of competing with these kinds of teams when they're at their best. Um, So it's gonna be fun to watch in the playoffs, but this Eagles team, I think we really have to come to terms with how much they've taken a step back from last year. And they're definitely looking like the third best team in the NFC right now. And the two teams above them looks light years ahead and there's a lot of work to do.
2: Yeah. Next up, Tennessee at Miami, 28-27. to 27. Miami blow a 14-point lead, but realistically, this is a 14-point lead that came by luck. This is an incredibly close game deep into the fourth quarter uh, they were tied up at 13 then the <laughs> Tennessee Titans muffed a punt allowing the guys to have like a seven yard touchdown and then the following play they fumbled the ball lost it and allowed uh, a 12 yard touchdown to suddenly go from 13-13 to 13-27 but they rallied and they came back and it was uh, very impressive Will Levis had 342 yards a touchdown interception the fumble I mentioned and a two pointer uh, so it was it was it interesting to see how they did it so we saw a little bit more through the air excitement than you know we kind of become used to with this Tennessee team Hopkins looked back to his old form making some Big circus catches, 124 yards on the touchdown. And Tajay Spears on the ground had over 100, I think 118. Uh, now, Henry got all the red zone duty, including a direct snap to him to uh, to a run, which means, you know, they're still using him. They're just they're realising that maybe, you know, the, maybe the wheels are starting to come off him and maybe use Spears a little bit more. Uh, Tua had a tough time in this game. He had 240 yards. But yeah, it was Hill, Waddle were kind of in and out of the lineup. the big concern there would be hills come out recently now and just said that the ankle injuries that he had earlier in the season are still there. And that was the problem that he can't really cut or turn anymore, but he's still dedicated to being the best. So uh, an interesting one to see. And uh, Mozart had a hundred yards and a touchdown and Achan had quite a, had quite a had quite a few nice plays as well, but it felt an awful lot like they were having to, they were struggling against this defense and they had to do a lot of trick plays and stuff. A big concern for me coming out of this is going to be McDaniel's play play calling i think he did a, he had some very bizarre decision making processes particularly later on in the game that didn't make a ton of sense to me um what was it when 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 they were up 21 to 7 he ran a three play 8 yard drive that took only 25 seconds off the clock and at this stage we were already down to just shy of the two-minute warning but he decided he wanted to you know he tried a pass to start and didn't really do anything so then he said well i suppose we should probably run and uh, and, and run the clock a little bit so tennessee took a timeout and he went well if they've beaten me on that i guess i'm just gonna pass again like it was it was just very very silly like when you're gifted 14 points essentially off two fumbles You play the time on the clock. You play the situational football. You don't just try and overthink it and become too smart for yourself. And then obviously they have the turnover and downs uh, as they're trying to get back from the one-point deficit. And that kind of ends the game. But for Miami, we've talked beforehand about how they feel a little bit brittle that if they can't do what they want to do they're not great at adjusting to an alternative plan and I think that's kind of what we saw happening here. From the Tennessee side, they were doing a good job and they were kind of plodding along. And it's somewhat interesting to me to see the gear they kicked into after the two fumbles and being able to come back in that because mentally very challenging. But the fact that they were able to do that and just hadn't been doing that beforehand, like the explosiveness we saw during that period of play was very different from what we saw beforehand. Like... You know, we saw a lot of plotting, a lot of like, you know, six plays in a punt, eight plays in a punt, three plays in a punt stuff from them. And then as soon as they were down, they're like, ah, no, man, nine play, 75-yard touchdown drive, four play, 64-yard touchdown drive. Like, they just turned it on. And it did leave me wondering why they weren't doing a bit of that earlier on, because there weren't defensive injuries to speak of that massively changed the scheme they were against so if that was in the pocket why they weren't playing that way a little bit more earlier um, it, would, it would make me question some of the coaching decisions on the Tennessee side as well I suppose Robin.
1: it's definitely one of those cases where they have a quarterback who I think is more of a baller than you know someone who plays quarterback he's someone who wants to make the big plays wants to maybe be play a bit out of structure and you know to be fair it hasn't worked more often than not for them when they've tried to let him go outside his first game uh, but I think they found a, a better balance, at least in recent weeks. Uh, and as you say, this was a tight, tense game uh, for the majority of it. Both teams were playing well. The Tennessee defense was having a significant impact against Miami. Um, they had five sacks, six tackles for a loss, um they they were making a really big impact. But I think you just saw Miami that their their offense without Hill is just nowhere near the same unit. Like they can still run the ball okay. Like Moser had a, a solid job here. A. A Chan had had some okay cameos, but just not having those free, basically 50 plus touchdowns in your back pocket. And like Hill was the second leading receiver here, despite the fact he played like less than 50% of the snaps. I think he played around 20 routes in this entire game. Like it just shows how overwhelmingly reliant they are on the fact that Tyreek Hill is playing at an MVP level uh, this year at the wide receiver position to make the whole thing go. And obviously it's a team that doesn't really, more often not have to deal with, uh, you know, doing things the hard way, having to grind their way down. I think Tua can do that, but I think here, against a tough defensive line, one that we know can get pressure on a consistent basis, we've seen that before from Tennessee that's well coached by Vrabel, um, that, you know, when Tua is forced to think, if Tua can't just get rid of the ball quickly, Um, And actually turn that into production, then the whole thing just stalls up and grinds down and you get into these close games. Now, the end of this game was ridiculous, as you say, like two fumbles, uh, one on a muff punt and then one by uh, attempted lateral effect, well not lateral, but kind of a throwback to, to Derrick Henry. Uh, from Levis, um, they, they, they kind of led to 14 points, and you kind of go, well, that's why Miami have all their wins, and Tennessee are, have a losing record, but then to come back, and to do it properly, like Levis, you know, the chains are off, Um, the defense, I think Miami's defense, probably didn't respect them, and I think they respect him a bit more, when like Levis, who, who loves getting in there, loves like putting his body on the line, last week, you saw him do a helicopter, you saw him get, Go right in for a fumble ball this week on one of the key drives at the end. He basically goes mano a mano with Jalen Ramsey and Ken better off for it. And then, yeah, like, you know, you see also the value of going for the two-point in the analytics. You know, that two-point conversion is why they won this game. That's why they are one point up when they kicked the the point after on their final Uh, touchdown and yeah I think you see that TyJ Spears a running back is probably a more dynamic element and maybe you know if you want to have a Levis oriented offense you can't really have that and Derrick Henry Derrick Henry is designed to work in an offense that's got like Ryan Tannehill like a West Coast uh, play o- play action type quarterback which Levis isn't really strike me It seems like someone who wants to be in shotgun someone who wants to spread the ball around uh, and someone who wants to give you know like he's gonna trust his guys like Hopkins who had uh, one of his kind of splash games here with over 100 yards and touchdowns so you know I, I get why Vrabel plays the way he does and he's kind of used to what he has but I think next year with a full offseason with Levis if they choose to keep him as a starter then I think they do need to adjust to what they have and not what they used to have and I think if they do that you see here flashes of what could potentially turn into an actual exciting Tennessee team which is like for that brief moment when Levis came in the first time and said maybe this team could be exciting and I think you see still some of those sparks but I think it'll require an offseason to make that work fully but here really impressive in the four minute drill I think it's like the first time ever that a team's lost from this position uh, with under like five minutes left in the fourth quarter and 14 points up Um, so just like that there's something there for Miami that over reliance on Hill is definitely a concern and the defence which has been uh, ascending a field for this year wasn't able to get it done in the clutch moments and that, that's obviously going to be a concern when they come against the better team so Miami like they had a chance here to be well into the hunt for the number one seed but with a really tough schedule you'd wonder if some of these chinks in the armour especially if Hill is not a full strength that could become uh, very problematic down the stretch.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville Cleveland up next, 27 to 31. Elite dragon Joe Flacco didn't have to move too much. He had 311 yards, three touchdowns and an interception, but hey, you can't be perfect. And they take out Jacksonville's, probably any aspirations they have in number one seed anyway. Um, he relied heavily on his tight end and Joku 91 yards and 2 touchdowns also had one of the baddest ass stiff arms I have, <laughs> I've seen in years um, so that was uh, very impressive and a heavy attack just kind of kept them ahead Lawrence was 257 yards 3 touchdowns and 3 interceptions although a lot of that was coming in garbage time it was not great uh, he sailed the ball quite a bit they're obviously feeling the loss of their wide receiver but It was mostly due to Cleveland's defense stepping up. So we saw them, you know, get four sacks in this game, saw them force a fumble. Like, it was a close game per the box score, but Jacksonville didn't fully feel at the races in this one all the way throughout. And I don't know if it's because Lawrence is hurt coming into it and. Obviously, if he's if he's got that ankle injury, it's hard to plant. And like we mentioned, it was it was the ball was going a little bit high at times, Sean. So like maybe maybe that was affecting it a little bit more, or maybe this is just that kind of fragility a little bit in the Jacksonville team that we've said is, has looked good and has taken some big scalps this year, but has also not really felt like it's got a strong identity or it doesn't have anything that it does better than everyone else it just is pretty good at a lot of different bits and pieces um for the cleveland side look so this would be a defense first team the defense stepped up big and they did a good job but the big surprise here has to be joe flacco playing at the level that he is joe flacco is probably playing the best that any quarterback has played for the browns in recent memory which is Quite surprising, particularly given that he the like, the majority of Cleveland's experience of him is probably him beating them while he's in a Ravens jersey. But yeah, Flacco looking surprisingly sprightly. He's now been declared as a starter for the rest of the season, as, as, as would be expected. Um, it's surprising to see that Cleveland are now definitely still in the hunt for playoffs. And if Joe Flacco is playing at this level and the defense keeps it up, they're definitely in the hunt for, for for one of those spots. From the Jacksonville side, you'd start to feel slightly like the sand is running through the fingers. Now, like they're still there, uh, they're still in the playoffs at the moment. Um, they're not a million miles away from some of their divisional rivals, so there's always a chance they slip out of that. But like they've got enough wins, they're probably making it. My concern would be if they show up on a wild card weekend and play this kind of football there's a lot of teams that would quite easily knock them off. Um, Cleveland included, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about the, if they hold on to their division, they'll probably end up as the four seed, in which case they're looking at probably taking on the Browns or, or maybe the Texans or the Broncos or the Bengals or bills or something like these are all teams that are probably capable of beating the Jags on, on their day. So the Jags, I mean, you know, you got to, Mark everything against where they were two years ago an amazing progression under Doug Peterson, but it does feel that they're they're not elite right they're they're a very good team, and when everything clicks, they're capable of beating a lot of teams, but they're not capable of beating the very best teams we don't feel, and when their pieces missing or pieces not a hundred percent, they really do seem to drop down quite a level like I think two things happen for the Jags here on the offensive side. The first one is that Lawrence is not 100% and it showed, you talked about the mechanic of some of his throws. It, it, it just it just wasn't the Trevor Lawrence that we're used to and you, I think you can you can accredit that to the to the injury. And then the other thing is missing Christian Kirk and I, and I talked last week about how the offense is built upon having a lot of these, all of these different options meaning that the defenders have to make various trade-offs on who they cover and Kirk is a big part of it. You take Kirk out of that equation and they have less options to throw to and therefore or the defense is an easier job of covering them, and I think it showed that they just weren't quite clicking on the offensive side. And when that happens, then the defense, which we've also talked about being probably a little bit too weak for the for the elite AFC that level that they're going to be competing with, uh, comes up comes up short and looks like the, the the kind of the average unit that it is. So the Jags, it kind of feels like. At their best, when it all clicks, they're a very good team, if not necessarily an elite team, but we're going to see the level that they have when they're not at their very best. Now, the the issue is that they are only a game ahead of the Colts and the Texans in their division, but given the Colts are, are not a great team, uh, and I, I don't think they're going to be able to carry off, say, finishing with 11 or maybe even 10 wins could be a struggle for the Colts, and the Texans are dealing with the injuries to Stroud and, and the various receiving corps. So I think the Jags still have to be considered likely to win their division and, and to hold on in that sense. But yeah, I can see them going out in the wild wildcard um, to whoever they're hosting uh, for sure. In terms of the Browns, I mean, Joe Flacco, Elite Dragon, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, amazing that if he just, you know, he has no mobility, right? But he has the experience and he has the eye and he's a grasp of the system that if he has an O line to protect him, he can do a lot of damage and it's great for him. And I mean, I'm loving the moment. I'm just kind of hoping that he, he, Brings them on a long playoff run just for the sole purpose of the off-season conversation, where they tell Deshaun Watson that even though they're giving him 500 million, they're going to cut him because they've got their 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 QB one now and they don't need him anymore. Because it it, it it yeah, it feels like everything. It feels okay to like the Browns when it's this Browns, right? When it when it's Joe Flacco plus an, an elite defense and they're really they're a fun team and you can cheer for them and you can like them and you don't have to think too much about the the moral quandaries. Uh, and the Browns, I think slot a little bit more comfortably into that role of, of the of the moral underdog so you know I, I really want to cheer for them here and I, I think it's an amazing and incredible missed opportunity given all the teams that are in various kinds of QB trouble and you think about the Jets as the the one that's really comes to mind when you think about a team that could really do with QB help right now amazing that Joe Flacco was just kind of hanging around and was given this opportunity because so many other teams should have Picked him up and taken him on board. I will say, Sean, to be fair, the Jets tried out Joe Flacco, was it, last year? And he looked very different (laughs) behind their offensive line. Yeah, well, maybe it's just a a fit thing, it's a scheme thing, it's an O-line thing or something. But I think the Jets right now, Robert Sala, if Joe Flacco walked in the building and was like, I'm back, he'd be like, yes, finally. Uh, Just he's got that experience and you know he he such a quickly grasped the system and he does enough and with given how good the cleveland defense is that's all that offense needs to be the defense looks looks so good when it when it's on fire in this game a lot number of kind of crucial stops they got the turnovers like completely shut down the run game and then we're able to focus on attacking lawrence's and throw game the, the young cornerbacks i think emerson and newsome are, are the names that's come to mind they had a, they had a really good game it just looks like it, it's really all together and i think with a good quarterback this team is a threat right now the problem with them is that they're Far enough behind in their division that they're probably going to have to be on the road for the wild card. But they're definitely a team that you don't want to play, right? This is a team where if Kansas City and say the three seed, or uh, as I said, Jacksonville in the four, they don't want to be looking at the Browns come wild card weekend because this team is going to be a nightmare to play in the playoffs if flacco can can maintain this kind of level on the defense. Also, um, and then who knows after that? But um, yeah, it's, it's it's great to see and I just I'm happy to be happy for the Browns because I've missed i missed that. In the in the kind of the Baker era they were one of the teams yeah. that we cheered for because of their being this young upstart team and Deshaun ruined that. But with Blackout it kind of feels okay to cheer for them. So I'm I'm happy to see how far this goes. Yeah. Uh, and as we say,
2: look, all games are important, just some are less important. Fitz loves them, so we're we'll planning to show over to Fitz on the dump off.
1: Yes, the dump off for week 14, and uh, some surprise wins, some expected blowouts, and uh, one game that looked more like a soccer score. Uh, but we'll start off with some of the more competitive and relevant games. And NFC side chaos, as Sean predicted last week, has come to dawn. Tampa Bay beat Atlanta 29 to 25, putting three six and seven teams atop that division. It is destined. Um, basically, Baker was feared in this game. He led a 252. Um, uh, 252 minute tighty uh, TV drive to end up with Otten um, and the offence outside of that wasn't great a lot of the offence is going through Rashad White right now which is really turned me around in terms of being a genuine weapon I think he's still a little bit slow there's definitely times he's got the open lane and you're like that's a touchdown and it isn't but he's very solid and he's particularly a factor in the, in the pass game on the screen game 135 yards of touchdown for White so kept him afloat and then Tappa Bay and Baker came through at the end Atlanta what more can you say that the usual mix of you know good and bad uh, Ritter 347 yards lots of lots of yards he had a touchdown but he also threw an interception and you know like uh, like big explosive plays to Drake London who had a really big breakout play that's great to see but the mistakes just keep coming and coming and coming they had an interception there was a safety um, there was multiple misses uh, it was just bad play from Atlanta too often it doesn't matter if you're good for 80% of the play if for other 20% you're making the most idiotic decisions possible this goes for Ritter and Arthur Smith it doesn't matter because the NFL the margins are too tight to get away with it and you know the offensive line is injured but no excuses Atlanta you know back into the, the mess you go Next up, Indianapolis to Cincinnati, 14 to 34. Another dominant win for Cincinnati over a playoff rival. Browning efficient again. Um, he had an interception, but otherwise was very effective. Um, even showed off some nice deep shots in the second half here uh, to kind of get the, the the scores going and, and pull away in the second half. Early in the second half, uh, Chase Brown actually a surprise X factor running back, 105 yards with a touchdown, including a long screen pass touchdown. So you know, getting some extra weapons in there does no harm. As for Indianapolis, Minshew up and down as usual, 2.40, a touchdown interception. Um, they went down by 14.30, points early, so that kind of took Zach Mass out of the game and basically meant it was just Minshew throwing it around and outside Pittman who's having a, a very solid season with nearly 100 yards here there's just not enough consistency here with Josh Downs I don't think he's healthy if he could get back that would make a huge, uh, a huge difference. I um, fumbled inside special teams when the game was still close certainly didn't help matters so Indianapolis very flawed team Cincinnati playing at a genuinely interesting level uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them in the playoffs. Next up Detroit at Chicago. Chicago win, 28-13. to 13. And now, alongside the Giants, are kind of, hmm, maybe are in the playoff hunt for that uh, wildcard spot in the NFC. Fields playing for his job, played really well. 223 yards, a touchdown, 58 yards, uh, a touchdown rushing as well. Uh, maybe a little bit not optimal. He's still a, like a step slow for what you'd love to see and in the red zone that certainly shows up. But overall, a very promising result from when you see those explosive run and pass plays. And, you know, it helps when Detroit are making... Some really key mistakes like they're failing on their own fourth downs now and then the, the, the touchdown they gave away on a long fourth down to chicago just can't happen um they were they were drug pulled offside and then deep shot to, to dj moore for a touchdown like that's just the kind of thing where you go like those you know, It's exciting when it works, but when it doesn't work, it, it does genuinely look like bottom of the league type bad. Goff was back to his turnover ways. He had two interceptions this game. Basically, could not get going in the second half, and he needed a comeback. The run game is effective, like, it's still really good. They went over 130 yards in touchdown between Gibbs and Montgomery, but when they get into these deficits, that doesn't matter because you can't use it. Um, so, really disappointing for Detroit. Like, a spiral could happen here. They're going to be in the playoffs, I think, because they have nine wins, but uh, I'm not sure if they can do anything beyond that. Another uh, big surprise win. The Jets win 30-6 to against, uh, to be fair, incredibly banged up Houston. Wilson, who, who no longer has any cares in the world, he said, oh, what are they going to do? Bench me again? Uh, and apparently that's all he needed to, to think about. Uh, maybe taking some tips from uh, Tommy DeVito across uh, across the way in terms of don't giving a fuck but uh he found his groove in the second half after another kind of stale first half which ended 0-0 um it, Garrett Wilson for over 100 Hall was over 126 yards in the touchdown and those two guys are really explosive so you just have to get it to them on a regular basis and good things happen uh and I think Wilson you know if he could just have some performances like this at least it isn't as depressing as it was and he's certainly better than Tim Boyle does not saying much Houston, it's just injuries. Just killed them. Um, Nico Collins went out early. Stride went out in the middle of this game. And he wasn't really having a good time before that anyway. Because the Jets defense is really good. But just a disaster for Houston. You know, going from one of the most exciting teams. To a team that looks on the precipice of just, you know, completely falling out of the picture. Due to all these injuries. I really hope not. Because Stride deserves in the playoffs. But, yeah, pretty grim right now. New England to Pittsburgh, 21-18. to uh, Surprisingly, not as grim as you expect Thursday night football. I think before this, people were expecting to see like, the worst game of the season. But, new england actually had some offense zappy early on two forty, three touchdowns a deception zeke over a, a 100, like 140 yards and a touchdown and they looked decent early on they built a 21 to 10 lead in the in the first half and it was fine the second half they just completely turtled and pittsburgh had several chances to win this game but you know anything anything is better than what they've been putting up recently and pittsburgh look their playoff hopes to take a big hit here obviously the game they expected to the win mitch tiddies was terrible um, he showed some sparks maybe early on in the second half but outside that was just genuinely awful and they had multiple chances to come back and mitch tiddies just wasn't up to it um you know New england you know their defense is not good or great but you know belichick can still get it done when he absolutely has to against these lesser lights and you know if he had just been maybe a little less conservative uh, this could have been an easier win but hey they get the job done and they move on um, some hope there uh, for the future I suppose uh, Seattle at San Francisco 28-16 uh, to 16 win for San Francisco look San Francisco dominated this game Seattle had some early resistance in the first half it was still a four point game then but the second half absolutely annihilated Seattle the uh, safeties in particular were picked on upon uh, as Debo and CMC and Ayuk were just absolutely railroading them again and again and again uh, Debo and Ajax mostly in the second half uh, CMC first play was a, a 74 yard uh, play uh, someone else got the touchdown though so screw you fancy owners but Purdy just very efficient him and Dak kind of in the MVP race I'd say right now alongside uh, Hill if he's healthy uh, but you look they're just better uh, like Locke was actually fine early on he had two touchdowns he's 6-9 threw some hero ball interceptions towards the end when the game was getting out of control but uh, yeah you know, I think the to get an idea where it ended up DK was ejected for basically getting into a big scrap at the end that's classic DK bullshit Um Seattle they're just not at the races compared to San Francisco or indeed even the Rams definitely worrying uh, for to be dominated by two division rivals this year Denver at the Chargers 24-7 Denver just kind of slowly ambled to a win here I wouldn't say Russ was cooking uh, too much but he was doing enough a nice bomb to um, Sutton in the second half probably the highlight for it but you know it didn't need to do anything because the Chargers were doing nothing, like Herbert, even before he got knocked out of this game due uh, to the finger injury, was basically a non-factor, 96 yards and in interception. Sacked, uh, six sacks for Denver in this game, many of those on Herbert. and. Yeah, like, you know, Easton Sick come in and and let one touchdown drive in garbage time. But, you know, he's got a noodle of an arm and you can tell the difference that that's going to make down the stretch. The Chargers just dead. Denver, nicely uh, set up to potentially uh, grab a wildcard spot. Uh, Carolina at New Orleans, 6-28. Look, Carolina are just a non-team right now. Um, They had, like, two more turnovers here from Young um, and they failed on fourth down five times. They had a fumble on a, a special teams punt. Um, that went for a TD early on this game. Like, it's not like New Orleans were good. Like They had their own mistakes. They had interception. They missed a field goal. They were incredibly conservative in terms of their play calling because Carr basically should be in a hospital instead of on, a, on an NFL field right now. But against this Carolina team, it was enough. So New Orleans, 6-7, and seven, joint top of the NFC South. Oh, God help us. And finally, you know what, what could beat that for the, for, for the end of, of the dump-off? Well, it's Minnesota at the Vegas Raiders, 3-0 the soccer score as they say. Uh, defenses dominated two backups here as both O'Connell and Dobbs had an absolute nightmare of a game um, and basically the Minnesota, Dobbs was so bad and most because he's was just panicking the second he was pressured when there were kind of open thing, open receivers there I felt like. Um, pulled for Nick Mullins who set up one field goal drive which in this case was enough to win the game. Um, O'Connell pretty poor. And he had 171 yards and a an t- interception. And the only red zone drive in the entire game uh, ended up being a fumble by Renfro that killed, uh, what well, they didn't know at the time, that killed their chances. Truly one of the most pointless games in, in NFL history. But Minnesota now, I believe, in the wildcard spot, so uh, they'll take it. All the wins count the same at the end, they move on. Uh, but they'll need to be better than this if they want to keep in that position moving forward. So that's a dump off for week 14. Talk to you next week.
2: Okay, so we'll kick off with Thursday Night Football. The Chargers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. I've gone for the Chargers. The boys have gone for Raiders. Um, we've got confirmation as we're recording that uh, Herbert has gone for the surgery. So he's out. So it's going to be Easton and Stick. And will this offense be able to get anything done with him? We'll see. Uh, Jacobs is out for Vegas, so the run game is going to be gone. Uh, so we're going to have to find some production out of other people. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> the defense played well, as you heard, in the dump off there. Um Last week, but I just I'm just slightly siding with the Chargers to be able to score some points here because the Vegas Raiders, as good as their defense was, weren't able to do anything last week. Um, but it could go either way. This is essentially a game that doesn't really massively matter. Uh, could, onto, be, could be the game we thought we were
1: going to get last Thursday.
2: Yeah, this this could very much end up being that. Um, Saturday football, that's right, this week there are three games on Saturday. Uh, so we'll kick off with Minnesota at Cincinnati. So obviously Browning has been a surprise success story so far. But we've got a very aggressive defense that's normally played by Minnesota. Lots of blitzes, so we'll see how they'll be able to hold up against that. Uh, we don't know really what's going to happen at uh, quarterback for Minnesota following the uh the swap of quarterbacks mid-game last week who knows um the hope is obviously with Justin Jefferson due to be back we believe that they should have a little bit more on offense but I'm gonna be honest like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks I've been picking against Minnesota because I think they've not been great and even though they won last week like they weren't (laughs) they shouldn't have won that game no one should have won that game that game should have been called off in the middle but uh I'm going to side with this Cincinnati team that's kind of on the upswing Browning's looking good and I'm liking them playing themselves into playoff contention
1: yeah on the form book Cincinnati should be well favoured here Uh, Browning's been a surprise success story after maybe a tough first outing the last two games against genuine AFC playoff hopefuls in the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts has played really well they're playing as I said maybe a more play-action heavy script than they would with Joe Burrow but it's working Uh, the run game's going well and now Chase Brown and Mixon both maybe air factors at the run game and he's getting the ball out to his receivers T. Higgins had a couple of splash plays last week Uh, he had a touchdown also called off Uh, Jamar Chase is always capable of either going deep or taking a ball uh, for the end zone in yards after the catch and it's overall just it's not Joe Burrow level Bengals but it's Close enough that you you know if you scrubbed out the name on the back you might you might go well that's one of Brower's like you know middle games um, Browning's putting out there and their defense you know I would say it's it's been up and down but they have talent there it's obviously a very um, it's, it's a defense that you know, tends to get better as the season goes on. Amarumo, ahead is has earned our respect that it's not going to be terrible, but I think the big question for me if Minnesota are going to win this game is, like, can Brian Flores basically cook up Browning, which I think, based on what we've seen so far, doesn't seem likely because I think we, we, we can respect Browning a bit, but he is a backup and this defense for Minnesota is genuinely unique. They're doing kind of a blitz scheme um, that basically has never been done. I think there's some allusions to being like run at high school or I think at the college level. And it's basically like a zone blitz scheme, but like all out blitz scheme very often. And even that now is changing because as the season goes on, teams are so expecting the blitz um, that he's making adjustments to that. So Brian Flores is really playing on seven to at least consideration for a bigger job potentially going forward. Um, and if he does a really good job, they can get this really close and maybe they can edge it because, you know, Obviously, the Josh Dobbs stories. I assume it's probably over, given how bad he has been in recent weeks. But like Nick Mullins, noodle arm, but he knows where what he's doing within this system. He's obviously got a lot of experience within the Shanahan uh, type scheme and uh, the McVay type scheme. Um, uh, Jaron Hall, he flashed briefly in his like one drive in the season. So. Regardless, I think, you know, Kevin O'Connell has shown he can get good production out of not having the best quarterbacks. So I wouldn't completely dismiss them, especially if Justin Jefferson's back in there and they have other weapons like Jordan Addison uh, and KG Osborne and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, But their their offensive line is also banged up. So that could also be a major factor. Um, So I think Cincinnati should be favored. But Minnesota, we've seen them have shock turnarounds in their form um, in recent years as well. So I wouldn't dismiss them completely. But Cincinnati on the form should get this done.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it, in terms of trust, the Bengals uh, under Browning look a lot more reliable than whatever is happening at the Vikings. The Vikings have to turn up with an offense this week, and I don't know if we can believe that that will happen. So I think you got you got to go through the Bengals.
2: Next up, we have Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. Myself and Sean have gone for Pittsburgh, and Ronan's gone for Indy. Uh, Mitch risky's under center. Will he be able to get... Offense going. They didn't do great on Thursday night, but this is a soft defense in Indianapolis, so hopefully they'll be able to get a bit more going, particularly on the run game. On the other side, Minchu had a bit of a mid-game last week, so we'll be able to kind of pick it up a little bit more. This is overall a good Pittsburgh defense, but we mentioned we have their two main pass rushers in concussion protocol, so they might not be playing. So it'll give them a bit more of a shot if they're one down one or two of those guys. Um but yeah, overall I'm going Pittsburgh on this one just because I think their defense will be able to cause issues for Minshew. Yeah,
1: these are probably Surprisingly two... Surprisingly important
0: night. game given the, uh, the both of these teams are in card contention even though neither of them feels like a playoff team. Um, the big big question here is, is the Pittsburgh offense because we, we their defense, okay, is not quite what it used to be but still fairly reliable. The offense, yeah, yeah. It, it, that brief bump post-Matt Canada seems to have gone again and they don't really know what they're doing at all. Um, but Indy are as up and down uh, in terms of the offense, and their defense is kind of weak. So I think ultimately, th- it's the Pittsburgh defense, right? That is the most important unit in this game. If this Pittsburgh defense can can give Minshew one of his more nightmarish games and give some sort of short field, then you got to trust that Mitch Titties will be able to do just enough to get over the line against against a weak defense. But I could e- easily see if the Steelers offense gets ground down into the dirt, then. Some Minshew magic, so so I think it can go either way because because of the the variability. But I think ultimately, more often than not, I think the Steelers will grind out the win here. But I don't think it'll be a pretty game. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna need something, anything from Mitch Trubisky before I put any faith in Pittsburgh. And you know, like at least on the Indianapolis side, they have the Minshew to Pittman connection. They can run the ball okay sometimes. Uh, their defense isn't great, but with Pittsburgh, if they're missing some of those key guys on the on the line, uh, their defense has often been underwhelming in recent times regardless.
2: Denver at Detroit up next. Myself and Sean have gone for Detroit and Ronan's gone for Denver. Uh, Obviously, both these teams are playoff teams or hopefully so. Uh, Denver are going to see if Russell can kind of keep it going. They've had a bit of an improvement on offense over the last couple of weeks and this Detroit defense has not been looking particularly well. So this is like these are the kind of games they need to win if they want to stay in that wildcard hunt. They're only a game back in the AFC West now, although realistically they're a game and a half 'cause I think they lose the tiebreakers on that one. From the Detroit side, like Goff has had some very, very mixed games where he's like good for a half and throws three picks in the other half and stuff. So they need to try and settle it down, get it back to the way it was beforehand. Uh this is a good Denver defence, but you gotta Hope that, like, maybe they'll be able to run the ball in them. They've got a very good one two punch in the backfield. Denver are less good against the run, so if they can lean heavily into that, if they're at home. Like, you, you, Detroit, get. Let us have a bit more faith in you again. Just, like, come and do a good job here. Uh, don't have us worrying. Don't have it a, like we win by two points and we've thrown two picks and a fumble. And, like, just, just put in a solid day at the office and hopefully you should have enough to get past this Denver team who are, unfortunately, on the ascendancy, even though they're still playing a very boring brand of football.
1: Look, it's too late for me. Like, I, I'm already, like, very worried about for Detroit. I think, genuinely, the holes. That exist on both sides of the ball now are just gaping. Like they have a right to victory here if they can just avoid going down early, run the ball really well, keep that a factor, and their defense can just avoid like you know giving up those huge plays to Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. If ever learns how to catch the ball, then they can't win this game. But I haven't seen it recently. They've been screwing up again and again and again. That fourth down conversion, I had to go back to it against Chicago. Just unacceptable play call again. They're kind of getting all these fourth downs. I still love that aspect of it, but you know I think it a team with things going against them now can't afford to have those kind of demoralizing um, events happen game after game and Denver look I don't like it look I don't like it and it still hurts my brain a little bit but they're good That they're playing good their defense has genuinely turned around from being like a bottom five unit into a top 10 unit they're playing really aggressively on the defense their young wedge rushers are making a huge impact they are vulnerable in the run game but in the past game they can get pressure and Goff has been throwing the ball, throwing these interceptions recently and that's a really, that's something that this team particularly cannot afford and their secondary in Denver is pretty good as well. They have Sertain, they have Simmons, they have people like that. So I'm really concerned that Detroit are on a slip and Denver, I don't have to like it, but Sean Payton deserves respect for turning this team around after such a tough start and like, you know, it's not because Russell Wilson's playing good but he's playing good enough for a team that's playing good complementary football right now and, you know, it's not I'm not as confident as this pick as I was about the pick last week when you guys picked the Chargers against Denver but, I I definitely feel fairly comfortable picking Denver here, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I just can't let go. I, I can't live in a universe where it's acceptable to pick this Broncos team over this Lions team. The, the, obviously, the Lions problems are manifest and huge, and they need to solve them. Um, and the Broncos look like in a really good place in terms of where Sean Payton has got them. And logic and form maybe suggest that this is the Broncos' game to lose, but you got to believe, you know? Ultimately, what do we have in this world if we don't believe in, in Dan Campbell and his boys to pull it out? They're, they're going to turn it around, you know? They're going to come good. I can feel it. Uh, I feel, You know, you've you, you got to trust them. Lions eat horses, hopefully. Uh, on to the early <laughs> slate on
2: Sunday. Sean, tell us about the Jets going down to Miami. I've gone for the yeah. Jets. You guys have gone for Miami.
0: It's, it's a closer game than we would have thought. Like, up to, say, last week, you would have thought this is a slam-dunk Dolphins game win but now the last week have kind of really changed how we look at both these teams the Dolphins obviously lost a game that they should have won and also Tyreek Hill uh we didn't talk about the injury section but he he has an ankle thing where apparently he can't cut or turn which is two quite important parts of his game because otherwise he's just a guy who runs fast which you know we have our share of them in the NFL as well it, it, but they're, it, it, they're turning around as... is
1: particularly important when two underthrows the ball you know <laughs> it's
0: true it's a very fundamental part of being a Dolphins wide receiver is the ability to stop and turn um so yeah given given all that and then given we have the the Zach Wilson suddenly deciding he knows how to play quarterback again thing um this is a game that could be quite tight and I could definitely see the Jets grinding it out the reason I'm going for the Dolphins is because I, I with Zach Wilson we've seen it in spurts but we haven't seen consistency the thing about Wilson is he seems to be a real um confidence guy when things when he does he he will sometimes early in the game do a weird or stupid thing and it will work out if it works out he'll have a great game because he thinks he's a superstar Um, if it doesn't work out he's going to end up throwing like four interceptions and the the whole thing falls down i think with 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 zach wilson it's very much you're on the knife edge of disaster every time he goes out there and the games where he throws for 300 yards and and three touchdowns are the rarities and more to not he crashes back down the earth the next game the 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 Dolphins still have Jalen Waddell. They still have a very good run game in most start and at Chain. They still have, you know, Tua is maybe not the quarterback that people seem to be hyping him be, but he's still a decent one. They've got an approving defense who's going to cause problems for this Jets offense, whereas the Jets have a great defense, but an offense that has maybe turned up twice this year, and otherwise it looks pretty terrible. So I think you've got to, even given what's happened last week, I think you got you got to back the Dolphins to win this one. Um... But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how how this offense works with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, just as the fast guy, um, probably a lot of verticals, um, which will be an interesting test too, is uh, throwing arm for sure. But yeah, even despite that, you got to pick the Dolphins.
2: Next up, the other another New York team, Giants, going down to New Orleans. I've gone for the Giants. You guys have gone for New Orleans. Uh, you you pick it against the trash man, DeVito. He's going to do a great job here against what has been a fairly more looking New Orleans team. Their defence hasn't been playing particularly well their offense doesn't really know what it is. Carr is, you know, carrying 12 different injury designations at any given time. Uh this is a Giants team that we well, talked about it beforehand. Like their defense is rounding into form. They've got pass rushers. They've got some young pieces in the secondary that are going to cause some issues. Like I just I I just on a very fundamental level, do not trust the New Orleans Saints and the Giants are weird, but I'll take weird over boring any day.
1: Yeah, like, for sure. Like, I don't blame you for picking the Giants. I'm tempted to do it myself, but I don't know. I feel like New Orleans, they're going to, like, just stick around in the NFC South and kind of stay relevant for no good reason. And this will probably be a game that will be kind of an arm wrestle, and both teams will probably make mistakes. Um, But I just kind of, you know, I think New Orleans will probably lean more on Kamara. Olave starting to do some things with Carr. Uh, But, yeah, this is a game where, look, if the Giants' defense can get the Carr consistently and DeVito can keep up the kind of good imitation of, like, last year's Daniel Jones, uh, then they certainly got a chance here. Uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't count them out. But, uh, yeah, surprisingly relevant and, and interesting game. Uh, this was definitely not one that I thought we'd talk about at any length uh, last week.
0: Yeah, it's... I think it's a bit of a coin toss, but... Uh I, I don't know, maybe, the, maybe it is time to ro- ride the DeVito train to the giant success, but may, I think I'd need one more week of seeing it work before I'm on board with the DeVito thing. You, you
1: see, Connor, we've got to make him the underdog because he only <laughs> succeeds when he's the underdog. You picking him, that's going to put too much pressure on the boy.
2: Ah, we'll see, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll drop him an email, see if I can give him some words of wisdom. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina up next, Ronan. We've gone for Atlanta across the board
1: look Carolina are a busted flush of a team they're not doing anything Young is having a terrible time they have a chance here because Atlanta are just capable of imploding at any given moment but unless Carolina's defense really steps up and Young can avoid the mistakes which neither has really happened that often recently Atlanta should get this win despite you know being a team that no one likes Yeah, next up is
2: my pick of the week, Chicago at Cleveland. I've gone for Chicago and you guys have gone for Cleveland. Uh, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. Fields is trying to fight for his job and he's been playing pretty well and trying to give them as much reason to not pick a quarterback instead of him. They've been exciting. Uh, They are, I suppose, technically still in an outside shot of a wild card because the uh, NFC is a little bit more um, stratified. One game behind. One game behind. Yeah, so like, they're they're, they're definitely there, thereabouts. And this is the kind of game they need to win to stay relevant in that. Um, I think... You know, this Cleveland defense is going to cause issues, but they are a slightly different type of team. They have a bit more of a running aspect. We'll see if that can help them out. I think the big one for Chicago is since their trade uh, with Washington, they've gone from, like I think it was like a bottom 25 team to a top eight defense. Uh, so they're really, really doing a better job on that. And this is a Cleveland team that does have elite Joe Flacco and all that kind of stuff on it. But they're probably going to be missing two offensive linemen here, and we're starting to see a huge amount more from the Chicago defense. I'm hoping that that's going to uh, help them a little bit more in uh, in this game. Now, I do kind of I would like to see the Browns do well with with Flacco under center because I, like you said, Sean, they're more fun to cheer with Flacco under center. And also, it's kind of just great crack to continue the uh, the quarterback controversy in Cleveland by saying, well, uh, are you as good as Joe Flacco whenever they talk to their $250 million quarterback? But yeah, just for me, I think Chicago, they're on a little bit of a hot streak. Fields is playing really well. Their defense is playing out of their minds versus how they were playing earlier in the season. And you know they basically gotta have it for the for the rest of the season if they want to make the wild card. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just feeling Chicago at the moment. They're good fun.
1: Yeah, like the difference in record belies these teams are relatively similar. Obviously, due to injuries, a lot for Cleveland and Chicago because they came in quite untalented. I think Fields is playing at a really high level, but as I said, he's not. He, you know, if he could just do the the simple quarterback things well. He could actually genuinely be like elite like in that kind of top tier but he's still a little step behind he's still a little bit jittery um he still maybe loves running a little bit too much he's really good at those things he's so talented that it works more often than not but he's going into the dog pound here that's going to be a really intense environment for him so he's not going to get help in terms of play calling and stuff like that and you'd worry that this cleveland defense which seemed to be going dipping a little bit after picking up a few injuries they're getting healthier each week i think denzel Ward's probably back Miles garrett's one health one week healthier and stuff like that that they might get back to the kind of dominant unit that they were uh, for the early stretch of this season, and that's just a really tough situation for Fields, despite the fact he's playing quite well. Um, on the other hand, I think you are right, like Montez Sweat has made a big impact for Chicago, and this is a vulnerable offensive line. But we got to believe in the elite Joe, Dra- uh, Joe Flacco dragon experience like, enter the dragon, he will see in slow mo and then you know, face kick them um, into eternity um, enough to. Rack up the scores, keep it going and get a win here, but yeah, this is a much closer game than, than you might expect, but I'm going to give the dog pound there their due, and they'll uh, create a tough enough environment for he fields. he'll falter and just enough uh, for the Flacco uh, to get the job done.
0: Yeah, with, with Chicago, it kind of feels the same as the Giants. I think I need to see it at least one more week before I begin to buy into it. Whereas with the Browns, as I said in, in the reviews, I'm buying into this team on, on both sides. And this defense is elite, and Joe Flacco is elite. So, yeah, you got you got to go with the Browns here, I think. But uh, certainly, it'll be interesting to see if the Bears can give them a contest.
2: Uh, Kansas City at New England up next, Sean. We've gone for KC across the board.
0: Yeah, Zappi Mania has broken out among the Pats fan base because he played well for like a half, um, which kind of shows you uh, where the uh, New England offense has been recently. Uh, The big question is, can they continue it? Can they against a really tough KC defense produce anything? Um, uh, Can Zeke, you know, rediscover his, his mojo as well? Uh, I question that highly. Uh, I think that the Pats are going to struggle to score awful, uh, too many points here. And I think there's going to be a lot of an aggression as well from KC. The KC guys are really good at uh, kind of putting pressure on and, and, and takeaways and stuff. So that'll be a problem. On the other side, I think it's it'll be interesting to watch to see if Kansas City start to evolve, if, if Tony plays again, if they try and figure out a way to to make it happen. I think maybe leaning more on the younger wide receivers, Ah, uh, Rashi rice and stuff could could be the the way out of this mess. But we have yet to see this. We we've talked a lot about the 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 Chiefs and how they have seemed to evolve every year. And by week seventeen, week eighteen, by the playoffs, they they are the the final package and they look great. We haven't seen it that yet this year. They still seem to be trying to solve the problems that they had in week one. Um, so. That's what I'm going to look out for. I think they're a much better team than New England, and I think their defence will certainly prevent the Pats from scoring an awful lot, which will make it an easy day for Mahomes in terms of how many points he has to score. The really interesting thing is, do we see the evolution? Do we see Andy Reid starting to solve these problems? Or is the case the offence stuck in a hole that they can't find their way out of? Yeah.
2: Um, Well, we'll see. It'll be an interesting one. I imagine this will be the most hated game, because people still dislike New England and after this week's... uh, Dealing with the refs, a lot of people are taking it to rag on Kansas City. So the the who's who's slightly less despised bowl. Might be the title for that one. Tampa Bay at Green Bay is up next, uh, Battle of the Bays. Myself and Ron have gone for Green Bay, and Sean's gone for Tampa Bay. Like we said in the in the reviews, we're looking to see if Green Bay can get back to where they were beforehand and regain the momentum. Uh, their defense needs to step up a little bit more here and try and you know support the offense a little bit more. Maybe we'll see Jones back at running back, and they might be able to get something more going there. On the other side, Evans and White have been very very good this year. White, in particular, has just been remarkable, particularly on kind of running back. Screen green stuff so we'll see if they can get that going uh, against the green bay defense that like we said has been a little bit lacking tampa bay need this win to get into the nfc south race and keep themselves in that conversation green bay are still trying to struggle their way in towards relevancy they're i think still sitting on the outside looking in for the wild card at the moment but they're like tied on record but losing on tiebreakers so it's an important game to both teams um i'm just taking like i i saw something in the Green Bay team the previous two weeks I thought was a little bit better as the Tampa Bay has flashes but not consistency so I'm going to go with hopefully the upside of Green Bay but I, I I think this is essentially a coin flip game
0: I I'm all about Baker and his vibes they just see he just seems to be in a zone where he's just like I will not sometimes he just I will not lose this game I will do what needs to be done um with with Green Bay I feel that the the good times are maybe more deceptive than the bad. This team is still building, and they still can't quite figure out what they are. Jordan Love is he's up and down as a quarterback, and the defense needs to do a lot more. Whereas at Tampa Bay, it's fun and it's flawed and it's all over the place. But Baker uh, and you know talent like uh, like uh, Mike Evans uh, on on the end and the running game from White and such like. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like they're the team that's going to win the NFC South, and if they are, they probably do need to win some of these games. So I'm going to back them because I don't quite trust uh, Green Bay, and Baker gives me the good vibes.
1: Yeah, like I think these team teams are probably, if you average out their seasons, pretty close. Tampa Bay have kind of been more what they they are, what they are. Baker makes some big plays. They kind of disappear for long periods of time, but Mike Evans is always capable of the the big, deep shot. Rashad White's been growing. He's probably the one that has got better as the weeks have gone on, and he's been, as I said, a particularly a factor in the past game. He's still a bit slow, but he's doing a good job despite that. As for Green Bay, obviously, we're kind of building. You know, they've just been very up and down. Some early shots where they look like, ooh, maybe love is the future, and then a mid-season swoon, they're terrible. And then recent weeks, oh, love getting back to maybe they have the next you know hall of fame quarterback and then last week just cratering into the earth um, despite like a solid touchdown at the end like too many mistakes overall against the Giants defense which is better than we expect but still not in the elite category so you know I think it's say it, it's a coin flip Green Bay have more upside as you say Connor I think they have more excitement about them if they made the playoffs for example but you know I think I respect Tampa Bay so I don't I wouldn't uh, disrespect Sean at all for picking them but I'm gonna go for Green Bay for now um, at least in Lambeau Field, they, they have a slight advantage. Slightly different climbs in, in Lambeau than there is in, uh, down in Florida.
2: Yeah. Uh, next up, Houston at Tennessee, Sean. Myself and yourself have gone for Houston. Ronan's gone for Tennessee. I have caveated my pick that my Houston pick is dependent on stride playing, though.
0: Yeah, the, the big question in this game is which Houston will turn up, the 2023 exciting, fun CJ Stroud Houston, or are we going to get a reprise of the 2022 Davis Mills experience? Because um, obviously those are offensively two entirely different uh, teams now, even if Stroud plays, they're still down at least two good wide receivers, uh, and they're going to need a couple more options. We saw that Stroud can be in the Jets game; he can be got got at, he can be stifled. He maybe does need the kind of the fourth quarter, you know, adrenaline to kind of power himself in into super super guy mode um and if he doesn't have that maybe it doesn't work as well so i can certainly see why people might be leaning towards tennessee they you know will levis is starting to feel like maybe he he's figuring out stuff that he didn't figure out before with hopkins he's always got an options and the defense is is always fairly solid under Mike Vrabel. So I can certainly see the pick for the Titans, but as kind of with the Detroit pick earlier, I'm going with Houston because it's the better universe to live in, is the universe where the Texans keep winning, and we see the possibility of C.J. Stroud in the playoffs. Um, uh, if they lose this one, it's difficult given how tough the AFC is for them to keep pace unless they manage to win the division by by, by pipping the, the Jags. So I picked the Texans because that's the world I want to live in and I feel that they do have, if, if Stroud plays, they do have the pieces to win this. But I can certainly see the Titans making it difficult for them and especially if it's Davis Mills, then it could be an ugly game. Yeah. Uh, we're into the late winter now.
2: Washington at the Rams. Uh, we've gone for the Rams across the board here. Uh, look, Stafford's playing at a good level. They have excellent wide receivers. Cooper Cups looking to be back into proper old school form and this is a Washington defense that has been terrible of late Uh, they fired the defensive coordinator they traded away two of their best linemen Uh, but they're coming off a bye maybe Rivera's figured something out over that period and they can get something going on the offensive side for them Howell is a coin flip of a quarterback because he has great games and these terrible games. Uh, he was, you know, as they like to point out, the passing leader for a while, possibly due to the fact that he had taken a hundred more passes than a lot of other people had at that point. But if he can have a safe day where he doesn't have a load of turnovers, like. They could maybe stay in this game. But this Rams team and their offense in particular has been fired up of late. And I would imagine Donald is going to cause some issues to howl behind that line. So we're going for the Rams across the board. Uh, Next up is Sean's pick of the week. Uh, Big boys Dallas are traveling up to the cold, horribleness of Buffalo. God, it's going to be fucking brutal out there at this time of year to take on the Yeah, to to take on the the Buffalo Bills, and we've gone for Dallas across the board, Sean.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a huge game. It's an absolutely huge game for for the Bills. I mean, you look at this; they're two games behind the Dolphins in their division. They're, they're like one game off the the wild card, but it's a it's a bit of a, a, a kind of a. A crunch situation with a bunch of teams involved. If they get through this game, then they've got the Chargers and Pats back to back, and you think those are two wins, and then they go to the Dolphins uh, in Week 18. So if the Bills win this, I think this puts them. The Bills win this, they still have a shot at their division. So that's what they're playing for here. And we've taught, we've seen at their best, they are. They still have an awful lot of really good pieces on both sides of the ball, and they've got good coaching despite the weirdness of some of Sean McDermott's uh, choices for um, pep talks. But with Josh Allen playing at his level, if he can get to the peak we've seen him, then he becomes a dangerous force. If they can find a way to to keep, you know, keep the James Cook thing working the way it is, if they can find a way to make um, Stefan Diggs more interesting, then they've certainly got a chance in this game because at their best they seem capable of just getting the momentum and beating anybody. The problem is they a they're playing a team that's on a really good place on both sides of the ball is going to make it really difficult for them so they're going to really have to pull out all the stops to win this game and secondly they do seem to be a team that loses confidence if things are not going well uh, automatically and the cowboys at the moment are really good especially at building uh, momentum at the start of games getting up 17 nil and kind of killing the game seems to be the way the the cowboys approach at the moment with they you've got dacet playing really good Uh, football on the offensive side you've got a defense that has under Dan Quinn moments of explosiveness moments of toughness so I think this is a really big test for the Bills because they're playing a team that's probably better than them at a moment when they're not at their best but the opportunity for the Bills if they win this game is that the division is wide open for them and they can take a shot at maybe keeping keeping their AFC East crown if they lose this then it's it they're in a real dogfight to get into the into even into the wild card spots and then you would you wouldn't bet in their favour. That said, I think we have to pick the Cowboys because they're a better team in a better place. But I would love to see the Bills win this game and I, I just hope they put up a good fight and it's a fun game because if he gets if it's close at the in the fourth late in the fourth quarter and Josh Allen does Josh Allen stuff, they could win this game. Um but there's not that many pass to victory unfortunately so you gotta pick the Cowboys. Great
1: philosopher Ron Gareth said, "The opportunity say fucking enormous But uh, yeah, I think <laughs> Dallas are the better team. They should win this game. But that's exactly when you expect the Dallas Cowboys to revert to type.
2: San Francisco, who are a good team, taking on the Arizona Cardinals, who are technically an NFL team. Ronan, hey, I,
1: I, I thought I was doing the analysis for this game, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. Hey, San Francisco are really, really good. So unless Jonathan Gannon's been like. Like like God, like galaxy-brained his way to some way to slow down this multi-headed San Francisco offense monster. San Francisco is going to score a bunch of points. Arizona's offense, Kyler Murray, I don't any fucking know. On any given drive, something could happen. Uh, but it's been way too inconsistent. And in a game against San Francisco, that's not going to be good enough. So San Francisco, easily favored here, unless some bullshit happens.
2: Yeah, that seems fair enough to me. And next up, we have your pick of the week, Ronan. Uh, you've gone for Sunday Night Football. You've gone for... If they hadn't lost last week, it would have probably been a a proper clash for fighting for the number one seed. But it's Baltimore taking on Jacksonville and we've gone for Baltimore across the board.
1: Yes, and a very important game for both teams. Obviously, Jacksonville going through a bit of a slide as Lawrence steals with his ankle injury. Now in a scrap for their own division, albeit both their opponents are very much in their own scrappy universes. Uh, And then Baltimore now have control of the number one overall seed but next week they go to San Francisco who obviously they have some history with uh, back in the day and they will be very keen to get a win over an ailing AFC opponent and kind of obviously take one additional factor out of the uh, number one seed consideration. Baltimore as I said I do have concerns here because they're a team that's playing really well but not consistently and as I said in the NFL where tight margins can be all the difference that could end up being a factor I think their offense is explosive To, to in some ways they kind of now remind me almost of Um, a poor man's version of the Miami Dolphins in the sense that you know when it's working and the explosions are happening and Lamar Jackson runs for a big uh, run and he does his jinky stuff and when they get a deep shot uh, to Likely and Flowers and OBJ and stuff like that it looks really good but without Andrews um, with the run game now going through the explosive but less consistent Mitchell you know there's just too many drives that don't go anywhere there's too many drives that just kind of burn out and the defense which I think I assume we'll probably be back or will be a factor. Mike McDonald has probably earned our trust. Did get blown up last week, albeit by like elite, uh, Matt Stafford, uh, every, every team either elite or not elite now it's just Matt Stafford and Joe Flacco everyone else is not elite um, obviously um, and you just wonder can you know are they going to have a fall off now are they going to do the classic Baltimore thing where just when you're willing to get in they suddenly decide to kind of take a step back and, and lose a game that they should win because Jacksonville are vulnerable as you said Lawrence he has very iffy mechanics, even when healthy. On that bum ankle. you just see the difference between, like, a Lawrence and a Mahomes that he just can't adjust around it. He's sailing the ball. And you know this ball to he defense will be opportunistic and, and lipping their, uh, their yeah. <coughs> Uh, l- l- licking their lips looking for those opportunistic things Gino Stone and, and Humphrey and so on um, and you know ETN he's been a bit banged on himself that's been quite explosive but you know I think Jacksonville they've had some games where they spiked some games where they've showed up their defense is very strange sometimes very mercurial hard to get a read on on a week-to-week basis but when they're playing really well they're really good at shutting down the run and they've shown the capacity to get pressure on the opposing quarterback so look I think Baltimore are a better team they should win this game they're not dealing with the same level of injuries as Jacksonville but I wouldn't count out Baltimore just faltering. I think that game last week showed that there are chinks in their armour. Um, it'll just be interesting to see whether Jacksonville, in their current state, are able to take advantage of them.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit higher than Ronan is on the on the Ravens. I think we we've seeing them come to fruition now, uh, and if they can stay healthy, they're going to be a threat. They look more dynamic offensively than I've seen them uh, under Lamar. And conversely, on the other side, we've talked about the Jags, that it's just not quite there offensively when all they don't have all the pieces and and Lawrence isn't healthy and the defense is a threat is a is a liability rather rather than a threat um, and so I think the big problem here is that the the Jags the Ravens defense will cause problems for the Jags offense I just don't trust that the Jags defense will cause that much problems for the Ravens offense which is why I think you've got to pick the Ravens.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of I'm similar. I'm a bit higher on Baltimore uh, as well than than uh, Ronan is at the moment, but. My, my, my big one on this is just that I think that Jags are faltering downwards a little bit at the moment. So that's why I'm kind of siding Baltimore. And I just, I think Jags are going to collapse down. I, I think. It's not terrible, it's just more like they're reverting to what we thought they were pre-season, which was good enough to win their division, not good enough to play with the big boys. And my estimation of Baltimore at the moment is they're one of the big boys to deal with. Um, we've also yeah, just got I'm coverage probably. for the Browns, just a small bit of breaking news there. Oven Tackle, who was on Boomerang IR, Jed Willis, has now undergone knee surgery, so they're not going to be getting him back this season. Uh, so that's unfortunate for them with uh, immovable elite Joe Flacco under centre.
1: Yeah, like, look, like, I'm probably being a little bit harsh on Baltimore, but I think when we're talking about them being a Super Bowl aspirant, then just those those, those concerns, that lack of consistency, which is too fair, has been like a little bit of an issue all season. Um, I just do wonder can they can they do it on a date week to week basis, uh, similar to the Cowboys in that sense.
2: Yeah, and finally, Monday Night Football. Uh, it's actually quite a big game, Philadelphia at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I've gone for Seattle. You boys have gone for Philly. Uh, Philly have been faltering of late. Uh, obviously, San Francisco and Dallas, two of the big boys in the league. So the question is, will they be able to hold it all the way up in the uh, northwest with Seattle? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I The Seattle team because hopefully Gino Smith will be back and playing and that will be you know well, quite help them a good bit but like this is an offense in Seattle that's really been taking off of late like when you think about that Dallas game they went blow for blow and scored into the 40s like it was that kind of game and that's that's the type of game we've not seen out of Philly of late their defense hasn't been phenomenal their corners haven't been phenomenal we like we said there's A little bit of a book out on how to deal with their offense after the last couple of weeks. in Seattle, while undermanned on the defensive side, they do have a defensive-minded head coach. I'm sure he's keeping a very close eye on these things and will try with their personnel to mimic those types of things. Like, I I can completely see why I think this could be a get-right game for Philly, that they're pissed off after the two losses, they'll figure it out and they'll get themselves rolling again. I'm not sure. I've got a feeling that they might fall back on their heels a little bit and, like almost half stumble into the playoffs at the end i think they soared very high but they're not the complete team they were beforehand i don't think seattle's complete team but i think if they come out scoring and gino plays a good game philadelphia might actually struggle to keep
1: up like look seattle have a chance here obviously philly i think they've just been ground down by that absolute gauntlet of the last five games or so like cowboys chiefs bills 49ers Cowboys like that's a truly ridiculous level of competition and to come out like you know they're three and two in that stretch so it's not like they've been destroyed by that um but you know going down to Seattle that's a definite step down from that elite tier of teams um maybe Buffalo in the worst you could argue does deserve to be there um and you know I think with this team in Philly you know they're exposed against the 49ers but it's going to be easier against Seattle I think they're vulnerable across the middle um, particularly if Witherspoon's missing they'll be vulnerable to cornerback and obviously if Hurts can just start slinging it up to AJ Brown on the 50-50 balls they start working again then suddenly this whole thing will start to clear up I think they can probably run the ball a little bit more against Seattle um than they have in recent weeks and you know i think you know it's been so tough for for philly given the level of competition but i'm not willing to kind of say that they've taken a genuine step back they've been ground down a bit but you know with the back end of their schedule loosening up i think they'll kind of hopefully regain some of their um some of their uh, energy Uh, as for seattle like look gino might play he might still be ailing though uh, and you'd worry about that given the quality of the uh the, the eagles defensive line and it's been an issue all year like the offensive line just hasn't been playing good enough to people be able to get consistent pressure or quarterback i think you know if if gino just got or even lock got a couple of seconds more from this offensive line you would start to see some of those explosive plays from locket and dk and jackson spit and Jigba come back on a more regular basis um the running backs in back i think will help them as well with walker and and charbonnet both back and one week healthier um, but i still feel like seattle um, it still feels again like Seattle, like a, you know, a brave loss. Like they kind of were decent against San Francisco for a half. They they kept Dallas competitive, but that, that kind of sees where this is reading for for Seattle against an elite team like Philly. I think uh, I still have a Philly just at that level above where Seattle are likely to win.
0: Yeah, I I was so close to picking the Seahawks here. I, I actually made a it was a last minute decision to switch to the Eagles because I just as much as the Eagles are in a bad place and they're maybe figured out a little bit offensively and they seem tired and, and they don't seem like quite where they were last year I just I just don't know if the Seahawks are good enough to beat them like ultimately when it comes down to brass tacks I don't know if on the offensive side they have enough explosiveness to, to get the points they're going to need to score on a defensive side I worry how much this defense will struggle against even an Eagles offense that is not quite where it was last year it's still quite a good offense uh, it still has at its peak it still has its, its moments so I just feel like well, and I think the Seahawks will give them a game and I think it will be a fun watch but I just just don't know if they're actually got the, the ability to win this game against a team as good as the Eagles even though the Eagles aren't playing uh, as, as good as they should Fair enough. No, I,
2: I, I get that side of the thing. I'm just I I I'm currently not putting Philly in that top end tier at the moment. But uh, look, like I said, they're a good team. If they can figure it out, they could definitely reset and this could be a good game for it. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They're travelling up, so it's, uh, it's tougher
0: on the road. Well, that wraps up for this week. Any plans for the weekend, lads? Uh, not much. Be quiet enough. I think there's uh, some interesting soccer on TV. I think Liverpool are playing Man United on Sunday but uh, apart from that yeah just kind of chilling out a lot of a lot of NFL I see it's like two full days worth of uh watching at the weekend so that should be fun. Mm. What about yourself It's
1: Please please I'm full of football no more <laughs> but uh uh yeah like look I am I'm, I'm I have a Christmas party on Thursday hopefully have an enjoyable time then I'm finishing up work on the Friday so I'll be heading back to Calvin this weekend so uh, when we get back next week uh, hopefully after another fun uh, red Zone uh, and Football Weekend. Uh, I'll be back uh, in the homestead for Christmas.
2: Very good, yeah. I think we've got uh, some people coming over on the weekend. We've also got uh, my wife, Maria's friend, is coming over. Uh, I'm bringing her doggy up, so I'm going to I'm gonna be looking after two doggies on, on Thursday on my own. So that'll be good crack. We're going to visit uh, Santa Paws on Sunday. So they have a, a, a dog Christmas event in town. So uh, you can go get your dog's picture with uh, Santa Paws. So that'll be... That'll be great fun and then meeting up with a couple of the guys to try some beers and watch a bit of football then that evening. So it'll be uh it'll be a nice nice little weekend before we push into the Christmas madness, so that'll be good crack. But I suppose that'll wrap us up for now. So uh it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters, thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.